This week on the Jock and Nerd Podcast, Gerald Morris, host of Two Peas on a Podcast, returns to give us his 2021 Oscars predictions. Geek boner. Plus, we review episode five of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, react to new trailers for Marvel's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead on Netflix, and the ninth movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. What? And a whole bunch more, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Monday, April 19th, 2021. <laughs> you know who this is, and you know why you're here. You want all the latest comic book and superhero TV and movie news, and by God, you found it. Forget everything else out there. Forget all the Scientology bullshit. This is the real deal. This is the real deal. Worship at the feet of the holy trio of geekdom. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Play it. Check. What's up, listener? How's it going? Welcome to the Jock and Nerd Podcast, where we've been giving you comic book and superhero TV and movie news, reviews, and whatever we choose since 2015. Jock and Nerd! My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. And joining us, uh, one-time Oscar-nominated gaffer. Great gaff work from this guy. It's Rug Boy. What's up, Rugs? I was also told I was the best boy. You were the best boy, the best grip. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The worst. I was the key grip. <laughs> you were key. You were best. Uh, some amazing. I was really good at gripping and then. And then gaffing it when you gripped it yeah, after I, you gripped I, it. Yeah. If I gripped it too hard, I would gaff it. Yes. And then I would be told I was the best boy. Uh, also joining <laughs> us is a dude returning to the show who I know pays attention to gaff and grip work in movies. Uh, it's Gerald Morris, host of Two Peas on a Podcast. What's up, Gerald? Oh, shit. What's up, guys? How are you doing? How are we doing? How are we doing? How's it going? Uh, Imran, Anthony Ruggs. Love you dudes. Love the show. So glad you invited me back. Uh, I'm glad Mad you're time. back, too. Glad you're healthy. Apparently, Gerald, you're back with us this time with less parts. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> I had a, uh, a unmeaningful part removed from my oh, body shit. in an operation a few days ago, but it went well, Good. and I'm in recovery, and... This is my first recording in over a week because I've been kind of bedridden. Yeah. So where else would I want to be, man? Jock and nerd for sure. Did you find yourself waking up in a bathtub with covered in ice cubes and you're like, hold on, what happened? <laughs> no, Some, I did not. I uh, but I did have, it did feel that way. And okay. I had to, it's a whole thing, man. My wife had to take me to the ER last weekend and that was when they diagnosed what was going on. Wow. And they scheduled me for a surgery a few days later. So very quickly. Oh man, that is scary, but I'm glad everything went well. And, uh, sometimes we need less things in us to feel, feel lighter yeah. and feel better. Yeah. I mean, I lost a few pounds. That's yeah, awesome. So. See, uh, uh, an unintended, uh, benefit. Uh, all right. We got a lot of fun things to talk about. Let's just start right now. The Jock and Ned Podcast. Before we get into this week's Falcon and Winter Soldier episode, we got a bunch of fun trailers I wanted to get your guys' reaction to. The big one dropped just today. Unexpectedly. Marvel's first Asian superhero has a first trailer, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, starring Simu Liu as Shang-Chi. Uh, nice, big two-minute two, two minute trailer. Uh, Anthony, 
This is the fucking Asian. Yeah. Listen, (laughs) technically we're both Asian. I'm a hundred percent. You're half Asian. So fuck you. Yeah. But you, you already (laughs) had your day. I did. Also, you also turned white. Listen, my day is coming with Miss Marvel and Kumail and Johnny. Yeah. You're already like, you've already ejaculated so many times about (laughs) Kanye. But this is, and how jacked he looks right now. This is a 98% Asian cast in a Marvel superhero movie. Uh, Phenomenal representation. what do you think of this trailer? What did we see? Yeah, I mean, I think it looked. I was pretty hyped. I, you know, Shang Chi obviously isn't a character most people know about all that well, so they can do whatever they want. It looks like they've removed Fu Manchu and basically replaced him with um, the Mandarin, yeah, which Fu is Man- fine. A little racist. Fu Manchu, there they don't the really actually. He, that's not even an original character from no, Marvel, so right, whatever. Right, right, right. Um, but overall, I think it looked pretty fun. It looked some. One of my friends says like crazy rich Asians meets meets um, just like. High level martial arts, yes, it's, tech wizardry yeah, type, type it, stuff. It's crazy super powered Asians. That's what yeah, this is. Yeah, I think it. Uh, <laughs> I think it looks good. I think it looks fun. I think it's. We haven't really seen. You know, we've seen a little bit with Captain America and the Winter Soldier and some like martial arts stuff and Black Panther, but we haven't really seen it focused on in this universe yet. And from what it looks like, it looks like they have some. You know, this is the best clips in a trailer, but it looks like they have some decent, pretty good fight choreography yeah. going on and then i think that's a new aspect along with just the asian character and um i even liked the little line with aquafina at the end so you I'm, did, you did like that in. line okay well let me i'll we'll get to the aquafina simu lu i does, like aquafina she's for what she's it's funny no she's funny i think she's funny she's great simu lu does look like dude can fight that's for sure in this trailer gerald this is a new side of the mcu we're going to peek into mm-hmm. what what did you make of this well, first, let me ask you. This is a movie, right? It's it not going to be a series. This is a movie. Okay. This is a mainstream movie. Uh, that's what I thought. And, Anthony, I feel like you mentioned this when we talked about our upcoming I was Marvel ex- things. I, was, that were, I, don't yeah. Remember, yeah, I don't remember where Did I had it, but yep, I was excited in top five. Yeah, I mean, it looks good. I mean, I don't know anything about it, which I think maybe helps me because I talked about it last time I came on your, your show that the MCU fatigue had kind of set in for me a couple years ago. So I like these fresh kind of takes that are – in the MCU, but they don't feel like they are. They feel like something completely different that we haven't seen because obviously they haven't touched on this character before. I think it's great. Um, the representation that you guys mentioned is a huge piece. And Anthony also touched on it, but I love Aquafina. She was in this movie called The Farewell a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I know we're going to be talking Oscars later. That movie should have gotten a lot more love in Oscar season a couple of years ago. Um, for her particularly. But yeah, I love her. I love what I saw in the trailer. I think it looks like a lot of fun. Hey, Gerald, I got one quick thing, too. The director of this movie is the guy. Have you seen Just Mercy? Oh, yeah, I have. Uh-huh. Same director. Destin wow, Daniel Cretton. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. And a cool. uh, guy writing, Dave Callahan writing on this, who wrote uh, a bunch of things, Wonder Woman 1984, but also he wrote, oh, on, but he also wrote on Godzilla. <laughs> uh, he wrote on oh, Zombieland. Oh, wow. <laughs> this is going downhill quick. <laughs> he, he wrote that on the screenplay for Mortal Kombat that's coming out next week. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. He is, he is writing the Into the Spider-Verse sequel, The Expendables 4. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Whatever no. that is. Well, he's writing with other people. Yes, I think there's with three writers people, yes. on here. So it's, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, he's with other people. So he's one of them. Yeah. Uh, Russ, you are them. a fan of, uh, you know, uh, Hong Kong kung fu action movies. Like, it kind of pulling some of the elements of that. What did you take of the Marvel I Universe? I was like, hey, I'm like, hey, this looks a little different. Yeah. This looks a little bit, like, fun. This one, uh, you know, when we watched Iron Fist, yeah. it, it was so watered down yeah. and so, like, not cool. Lame. And then in just, like, one minute of this trailer, it's just, like, ten times cooler than anything we saw in Iron Fist. Yeah. So... 
I was excited to see that. Um, and also, I'm interested to see what they do with the character because I have no idea where it's going to be because this character has always been associated with like Iron Fist and and Luke Cage and all, all that other stuff. But um, I think that they're just kind. They went at this and like you know like Tabla Rasa. They're just like we're just gonna fucking make this this whole new story and because. In some versions, he has powers. Some yes. versions, he doesn't yeah. have powers. Bring that and up. and yeah. that's not really nailed down. So, like, I, I am interested to see what they actually, you know, do with this character. Also, where's so. this dude been this whole time? That would be my first question. Where have you been, buddy? Well, for the past 10 years, he's been He's ch- been chilling. hiding, yes. So, I've, I've done a little bit of research. I don't know if it's, like, fully true. So, basically, he was in China or whatever with his dad, his mentor the mandarin the mandarin is his yeah. father in this version in this i think it might be his father yeah, and yes. they, he gets like trained throughout his life and apparently this movie i'm not 100 percent sure but this movie's occurring during the blip oh, oh shit oh interesting so, oh it, like during the five years during the five years oh okay so yeah they they're i like that they're giving the fans a second shot of mandarin it's not trevor slattery uh ben kingsley that they you know they they played us it's the real matter. And I like that it's his dad. And you kind of get the setup of the story. He's training Shang-Chi to take over his criminal uh, uh, empire. But he's been hanging out 10 years uh, as a valet and going to clubs and getting drunk and doesn't want to do it, obviously. He's, he basically has uh, pulled a coming to America. Yes. And, and, and now the dad has to come get him. Yes. to hang out in America and <laughs> sow, sow his royal loins. What does dumb fuck bit? mean? So then the Mandarin <laughs> shows up in New York to find his son. But the rings apparently. No, it's in San Francisco. Oh, it's San Francisco. San Francisco. That's right. Yeah. It's San Francisco. The rings apparently give give you powers in this. It looks like. Uh, and then you have a couple of uh, characters. That mass figure who looks sick in that fucking outfit. That dude's name is Death Dealer. Uh, and then that dude Ooh. with a blade for a fist. His name is Razor Fist. Aptly named. <laughs> taser face? Not Taser face. Razor, <laughs> razor fist. fist. But this is the dude who played Victor Drago in Creed 2. Oh, All right. Okay. Razor He's a huge fist. dude. Yeah, very big. Fisto? Yeah. I like the name Death Dealer. That's Death cool. Dealer. I, I never heard that. Yes. Okay. Good. The Frazetta uh, call. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. The, uh, the dude with the skull on the horse painting. Yeah. Uh, but okay. So I, you know, it didn't blow me away, but I'm excited. And it is the case with origin movies. They got to set all this shit up. So you kind of like get a feeling of the formula. And Aquafina is funny, but that line at the end where she's like, "We make a good team." Like I, I don't yeah. know, didn't really do much. Yeah, those lines at the end of the trailers where they—it's like the whole trailer's <laughs> fucking awesome, yeah. and then all of a sudden they try to do this like slapstick. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, why did you do that? You, you had a good trailer, yeah. They did it in uh, the Fast and the Furious one too, which I know we'll talk yes. about. But, yeah, uh, no, but it. Uh, other than that, it looks sick, and I'm excited to see Shang Chi mix it up with everyone. And then they, they put out a poster. You get to see. His costume a little bit better. Looks still looks dope. Yeah, it just looks um, it just looks a little different, you know, than what we've seen so far. Obviously, with casting and just the tone of uh, there being a martial arts type flick with some mystical elements. Yes, magic. now is he gonna wear ballet slippers or what? Oh yeah, he has to wear the Shang Chi <laughs> slippers and the the pajama pants. Yeah, like no, like they have Iron Fist and him in like these little slip, like Bruce Lee slippers. Yeah. And I just want to know if he's gonna wear. It. Isn't that uh, isn't that more efficient? Lighter like on your feet? feet? I don't know. I just <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure that it's probably better to do martial arts in in those little ballet slippers because I feel like if it's better to do ballet ballet in ballet slippers, but does it look as cool? 
if you were in Boot. There's some Crouching Tiger and Dragon shit in this. A little bit of this trailer reminded me of, and then a little bit remind me of like Mulan that we just watched. Those big well, scenes. Well, there's gonna be Fing Fang Foom in this thing. Oh, you know that, oh, right? There's, so there's a dragon. That was my question. Oh, well, there's yeah. a dragon. I've read uh, rumors that yeah, that the the rings that the Mandarin has can also. Uh, or from Fing Fan or like can control the dragon or something like the rings are alien like in it. nature in Fing Fang I don't think Foom. it's going to be green though. Fing Fang Foom is like an alien creature. So Ooh, like maybe. Ghidorah. That, yeah, we get some kaiju shit in there. September 3rd of this year coming out in the movie theaters only so far first. Uh, we'll see what happens by September we'll 3rd. We'll see. Uh, the next trailer came out last week. Uh, for Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead on Netflix, Gerald, you're a fan of zombie zombie things, right? Yeah, I'm a big horror fan. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird though because I'm not a huge Zack Snyder fan. Although, although I really like what he did with his Dawn of the Dead remake, yeah, that was a, which was obviously a zombie film. Very good movie, and they kind of been played out the the, the genre a little right. bit. It's tired, but I kind of dug this. I think they're bringing something exciting to. The zombie genre. What did you think of this trailer, Army of the Dead, and these zombies? There's some interesting zombies in here. I agree. I mean, I think you know, it, this genre is has been around for more than 50 years, and it's so hard to ch- like change it because yeah. everybody has this kind of like they just have in their mind and their psyche what zombies are and what you know they're just kind of roaming around and brainless and mindless. And you have to try to find new ways to invent it. There was a movie a yep. few years ago called Train to Busan that was yes. really good. Oh my god, it's so good. Um, That's they a great did something movie. similar where they were like smart, yeah. they were quick, and you know World War Z, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but they also did something like that as well. Land of the Dead did the same thing. Too. That's right. Yep. So we've seen this before, but you know Zack Snyder is on a high right now. Like he is <laughs> like on a cloud floating above Hollywood. You know what I mean? So. Is the right guy for the job. I love that it's going to be available on Netflix and in theaters. Oh, I, you nice. know, we talked about talked about that a little bit too. I love having the kind of like get it out there to everybody that can see it. You know, um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be good. I, I'm going to give definitely give it a shot and I have high hopes for it. Uh, the Netflix is all in on this in the Zack Snyder business because not only is this coming out, they've also greenlit uh, a prequel live action series and a prequel like anime series for Army of the Dead for this whole franchise so, oh, okay so they Gerald said something interesting I, so they're doing theater as well i think so yeah uh, right yeah I, I believe uh i thought it was a simultaneous release theaters and on netflix hmm. may 21st so this is like they did it with roma also netflix occasionally oh select, the- select yeah, theaters select theaters it's not going to be a wide release okay. uh yeah. but in this trailer look the trailer looks fucking sick the zombies seem to be even smarter than uh, what was that other movie you mentioned in Train to Busan? Train to Busan, where those zombies were smart. These are smarter, faster, and organized zombies that can like communicate. So yeah, they look like they look like they're having relationships. Even oh like, yeah, like they're coupling. One up. of the dudes yeah. and one of the girls are like making out and like you know in this, Las this, Vegas. Uh, Ruggs, what'd you think about this uh, zombie mess here? I mean, I'm over zombies right. pretty much. Like I'm totally over zombies, but. This looks batshit crazy, so I just want. I'm like, how the fuck are like ten guys gonna take on like these ten million zombies? Like, I gotta see this. And a zombie tiger. There's a fucking zombie tiger, which yeah. I thought that was Yeet great. Mooner. Now my question is, can Dave Bautista carry a movie? There's a lot of people in here, so maybe he's not doing all the heavy lifting. Maybe if he moves really slow and no one can see, maybe him. he'll be invisible. <laughs> there's, there's the sick shot of him running over the slot machines, firing the gun at these zombies. It looks amazing. 
I don't yeah. think he's going to need to have to, to, to do, do much. much. I think you're right. I agree. <laughs> in a Zack Snyder <laughs> film about right. zombies. Yes. <laughs> I think he's just got to look good and, and shoot things and say one-liners. And also, it kind of seems like they the zombie thing happens uh, this, coincidentally the same day they're pulling off this heist. Like, it seems like it just happened while they're trying to... Yeah, I was trying to figure I, that out, too, as yeah. far as the timeline goes. Because like, they, they do have that shot of the casino, and you can see, like, the bodies on the ground with, like, the body bags over them or whatever. Right. So I don't I don't know if those bodies eventually become zombies, or I'm not sure how that's going to play out either. I was curious about that, too. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they... By the no way, yeah. I, have a, I have an observation I just thought of yeah. right now, because we're going to talk about another trailer. Yeah. I feel like these pro wrestlers coming over and acting and, like, doing well. Yes. It's like a resurgence of, the, like, the 80s. A little bit. Yeah. With, like... Big muscular muscular guys with like some charisma just coming over and shooting up shit. You got Batista. You had The Rock's been around for a while. John Cena's doing really well for himself. It's like this generation's yeah. like Dolph Lundgren and those guys, yeah. you know, kind of thing. All these guys are coming over and like they've had years of fake wrestling and like and so it's training uh, and see John training in front of a crowd. Very good. So like now they're just. Yeah. Coming over and doing this the thing. The Rock is not bad. John Cena, I've been impressed with. Batista may well, impress me in this. I don't know. Do they have franchises, though, on their own? Yeah. Is that the, is that the, is that the thing, though? I mean, The Rock is arguably just the biggest action star since What's the his 80s? franchise Jumanji. that he goes back? Is that <laughs> I don't mean, know. Where, where <laughs> he's, he's the lone star. star. Yeah. Well, no, I don't he's mean necessarily. He's carrying the whole uh, movie. He doesn't I don't, mean, I don't mean necessarily a sole franchise, but I mean just like action blockbusters. I mean, you think back to like Arnold and Sly and those guys. I mean, The Rock is doing it on that level, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. every every yeah. movie's like, I mean, billions of dollars, and he's, I mean, he's living the life. You know, even even like family movies, like he voiced in Moana. Even you know, I feel like he's made a name for himself as as like the big action star. I think that's yeah. the one. I feel like that's the one thing he's missing though is his. His like go to all by himself holds up the whole thing franchise. Like I think that he's got like uh Jumanji, which is an ensemble cast. Could Hobbs and Shaw be a thing for him? Uh maybe. I don't yeah. know. That you know. Well that but, I think he he really him getting involved in Fast and Furious like he was for a while was doing okay, but him getting involved in Fast and Furious, he got as the the wrestling fan, so he got the rub yeah. on the Fast and Furious uh, franchise. Oh. And now it's mm-hmm. like pushed him to another level uh-huh. well speaking of that here's a movie of a trailer that he's not in and it's f9 <laughs> uh official trailer a long ass trailer three and oh a half god, minutes so long. so long anthony this is all you that's fucking insane i thought this shit was about racing cars apparently not anymore you gotta get with the program. It hasn't been I about know. racing cars for <laughs> five or six movies since The Rock showed up. It hasn't been about I racing cars. This dogs. shit it was about drifting and shit. What happened? I mean, it's it's. <laughs> Listen, you did three movies of that. That's all you yeah, need. You need more than that. Let's go into I mean, space it, now. Fuck it. <laughs> if it goes to space, I mean, then it's really jumping shark. To space. But uh, I mean, this is the modern day. Like this is what Expendables wanted to be. It's a, with just modern yeah, day yeah. characters. Yeah. Um, you know, now you have John Cena as Vin Diesel's long lost brother. It's like, oh, what? Okay, whatever. <laughs> Hilarious and perfect. Sang Kang, I forget what his name is, is back. Yeah. I mean, he died in the third Sun one. Sun Kang is Han, right? Yeah. So, like, you got yeah, fucking Han. Helen Mirren and, and Charlize Theron in this movie, too, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yeah. I mean, and you get like real actors that decide that they want. I mean, this this franchise is just. It's just bonkers. But, but why do you think that everyone just, just flat out accepts this like crazy shit? Yeah. Like, and, and like doesn't crit- criticize it when they get away with it. They get away with it. Yeah. Uh, they get away with it all, with everything. Go, I think it's think, just girl? pure. I think it's just pure popcorn entertainment. I mean, that's what they're. I mean, Fast Five was one of the best action movies I saw in the theater probably ever. I mean, that was a really entertaining film as a standalone. Now, the franchise as a whole. 
It's kind of laughable. I mean, right? It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> well, yeah, it's fun. That's the point uh, of it. But, I mean, you can't help but just to sit there and just, like, enjoy it, you know, if you're into action movies, at least. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's I think, crazy. I, I mean, I think you know. it just repeal, appeals to that, like, reptile brain where it's just like, I oh, want to see wrong. more Smash. <laughs> yes, with cars. Wow, like, what are they going to do with cars? Like, when I watched this trailer, I was, like, doubled over it laughing. I, know, I was awesome. just like, oh, my fucking God, I have to see this. Is this how magnets work also? I don't well, know. Well, what they've done, too, is, like, they just cast, like, very charismatic people. Yeah. In, in fact, like, the least charismatic person, in my opinion, is, like, Vin yes. Diesel amongst I'll, I'll all these agree. guys for years. Absolutely. Yeah, but, I agree but with he that. But ju- he just has been living off the fact that his name is Vin Diesel, yeah. and he looks like that, But and he has a voice. But everyone's, like, it's just they have, like, it's the formula. One-liners, cars, insane action stunts that are like mind boggling and some of them are actually not even happening on screen. <laughs> uh they look and also these trailers kind of just show you the whole movie. It's like you don't even need to see the fucking movie. I yeah, feel like they show, that's they what show I was going to say about the trailers. Yeah. It's, it's too damn long, man. Like too two, long. Two, two two minutes. Get in and out, you know. I show saw it. the whole movie. Yeah, this is the whole yeah. movie right here. Uh, poor Vin Diesel, he couldn't get bloodshot off the ground, and that was partly bad timing. It came out right when the pandemic, and partly nobody gives a shit about bloodshot, and the movie wasn't that great. Uh, but he's trying. Uh, I, I mean, he can't. He can't really outside of the Fast and Furious. He can't really do much other than like be Groot, and maybe make a triple X. Listen, movie. this is what happens. You get rid of uh, Vin Diesel. You put Frank Grillo in. Yes, there you Frank go. Grillo. Replace him. <laughs> replace I would Frank Grillo. Frank the Furious. Yes, I would love to see if. I mean, Frank Grillo would belong in this franchise. He's yesterday. Like, he's like Dominic Toretto's dad. <laughs> yes, or, or his cousin. <laughs> well, it's like they're the same age, I think. Yeah. Vin Diesel and in. They could be. They could be cousins. Every movie. Both in their fifties. I read somewhere. I don't even know if I'm just speculating or just saying things off the cuff. But I read somewhere that The Rock and Vin Diesel don't get along anymore. Yeah, no, they or, hate right, each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, so that's that why they've well. separated these the guys in, within the same franchise. Because The Rock's like Vin, back up off my coattails, motherfucker. Come on, just do your thing. Do your own fucking thing. I know you can't. Yeah, I mean, it's The Rock's. He he might be more popular. I mean, def- I think he's definitely more popular. Oh, I Vin agree. Diesel's Vin Diesel's done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it weren't for the Fast and Furious, I mean, Vin Diesel, I mean, he's got nothing as far as like it, to continue his legacy on. Like, the he's, Chronicles had, of he's Riddick had his. Four. Yeah, just keep doing Riddick. That's all anybody Riddick, wants yeah. to just see. Just keep dude. voicing Groot. Yeah, or in Groot is yeah. one, Groot, one yeah. word. It's a couple of words. You nailed it. Anthony, yeah. have you watched the Young Rock show? I heard it's pretty good. They got like young Andre the Giant and, <laughs> and wrestlers, it, his characters in the show. I have not. Is it on the cock? Uh, I probably it's on NBC. Yeah, so it's probably on. Yeah. I haven't watched. It, I heard no, it's good. But I, I I did I did when I did watch the trailer. I did. I was amused by it. I just haven't gotten around to watching it. I heard it's good. All right, listener, let us know what you thought of these trailers. Join the conversation. We have a Facebook group. It's called Jock and Nerd Nation. It's exclusive and closed just for you. We're all in there. It's a lot of fun. Jock and Nerd. Uh, shout out, happy birthday to listener and group member and Patreon. Pat Downey turned the big 3-0. That's my dude right there. This weekend. Happy birthday, buddy. Happy birthday. Okay. Let's get to uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier Episode 5. We're going to review it with spoilers. Here's your spoiler alert. Strap yourselves in, you fucks. Spoiler time. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? That's the other one. (laughs) Anyone want to let me out? I have to pee. No? Okay. (laughs) This episode titled simply Truth. The longest episode yet. 
And Gerald, uh, let's just put it out there for the listener. I love when I do this. This has happened a few times. We've had people. I love when I do I, this. Yes, I have, have guests come <laughs> on. It was all Efron, really. I lo- just no. orchestrated this whole thing. I love getting people to binge uh, like f- 10 episodes of a show before coming on. <laughs> oh, man. And, and helping us review stuff, which like Peter Kendall did that and other people did that. And now, Gerald, your experience with this show. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm digging it. You know, I Friday that we're recording on Monday this past Friday, I was in bed recovering from my surgery that I mentioned. <laughs> and I had watched the first episode with my son when it came out initially. Okay. But it was like during dinner and like, you know, he's seven year old. So he's bouncing off the walls. It didn't really hold his interest. I couldn't hear half of the dialogue. So it was just a nightmare. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to come back to it later. I can't really do this. So that was this past Friday. And I decided to rewatch that first one. And then I'm like, fuck it. And I just watched all of them. So yeah. I got I got caught up in, you know, less than five hours. Wow. But what I will say is that this particular episode, Truth, yeah. was probably my least favorite oh, of the shit. five that I watched. Okay. I'm not saying I didn't like it yeah. um, because I did like yeah. it. But it was just a lot of kind of fluff and like relationship building. And, you know, we had the one scene in the opening, which I know we're going to talk about. But after that, we got no action, right? I mean, unless I'm forgetting something. No. I mean, it was it was all dialogue and kind of development. This, Training sequence. Yeah, there was montages. montages but this was a, yeah. a uh, stop and breathe and resolve some things, move pieces into things for the next thing kind of episode. Yeah, but what I want to say about that is can you really do that when you have six episodes? That's a good point. You only I mean, you got to go bam, 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 yeah. bam. You got to get that shit out there. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm a little worried for... That they're going to tie this. Is it one hour, the last yeah. one? Do we know? Oh, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. it's probably yeah. around the same. No, it's similar to WandaVision. They definitely are probably not going to be tying everything up. Anthony, what happens in this episode? What happens? Um, so after the last episode where John Walker went a little nuts, he runs away and he has to be confronted by Sam and Winter Soldier. And we just kind of get that out of right the way. Right away. Yes. Like, right away. Yes. And oh, it was a pretty geez. brutal fight. Oh, it was fucking I, excellent. I was, I, uh, I yelled out loud when they broke his arm. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, um, shit. Surprise again. Another thing on Disney Plus. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, yeah. okay. And then after that, it's kind of like Gerald mentioned, a lot of like training, a lot of like character stuff. So Sam trying to figure out really what it means to be a black man and be Captain America, or be, be a black Captain America yeah. and what that shield really means. For Bucky, he's trying to kind of still find himself and figure out how to get over the um, Winter Soldier stuff. And in the background, Carly and the, the Flag Smashers are kind of went to the dark, went step, they're getting a step more back extreme. and they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to basically make one last big hit on uh, Their plan still is unclear yeah. what the fuck they want. I don't know, but. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the episode. I, I'm, uh, I, and so this series as a whole and this episode basically I really enjoyed the character moments. I did too. I yeah. think the character moments are some of the best stuff that they have going on. The conversation between Sam and Isaiah Bradley was, I mean, it, it hits. It's very relevant. It's just, you could feel like what those characters are going through. And you're like, oh man, like I really understand Isaiah's point of view. I understand what Sam's grappling with. Like all the character stuff between him and, and, Fal- and Winter Soldier was all great. I still do have issues with I don't think it like there's a lot of different things going on yeah and I'm not necessarily um, on board with the fact that I don't think it's coalescing into an actual like forward moving story yeah like I still don't really understand the flag smashers and the GRC Mm -hmm. 
and I don't really understand that conflict. So like, I'm still like, why, what really happened with the GRC and this flag smashers? Like what is causing all this? Like, that's like the forward driving thing. And right. all the other stuff with like John Walker and I mentioned some of the character stuff is great, but if that's the thing, I just I'm not as invested in that. So I don't muddy. know if I'm that thing is a yeah, little I, muddy. I think to, you know we we were criticizing uh, the Netflix stuff for being 13 episodes. Yeah, I think this show needs to be more than six episodes. Mm, yeah, I think it needs thing. to be like eight or nine. I agree. I think yeah. I think you nailed. it. I think this uh, series that I've watched thus far is very strong, like top tier. In like characters, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a very character driven. You're investing so many different characters for so many different reasons, but the story is just like sitting there, like it's yeah. not really bit, yeah. advancing, and yeah. there's only an hour left. So, yeah. if it was I, eight or nine or ten, then maybe we, you know, we could get some answers to the questions that you were just posing. But I agree with you 100. percent I was talking to a buddy of mine, and I was like, okay, we got to figure out what's the problem with this show. Like, why is it just falling short to me? And I think it's because it, it, it's a um, an issue of it's very muddy, meaning that there's not enough contrast. And there's two things that you could have a problem with in contrast. Either you make you polarize everything to be black and white and then you have this like, OK, these are good guys. These are the bad guys. But then when everybody's muddy, everybody's gray. Yeah. Oh, you, you have hmm. a tough time defining, okay, who's the bad guy? Oh, and interesting. Who am I supposed to like? And why do I like Baron Zemo? Like, I'm, he's a fucking terrible person. Why are they making him into Loki? Why is all of a sudden, am I supposed to be, feel sympathetic to John Walker? Am I supposed to not like him? Am I supposed to like him? So it's like, you're kind of like pulled in all these different directions and it makes it kind of like, Eh, not the best experience sometimes. It's realistic, though. I know if they're like dealing with the gray areas, and then, you know, they even mentioned the gray area of the law regarding the shield. But I did enjoy there's this episode had two montages montage and I was fu- <laughs> I was fucking enjoying both montages. Actually, the music was great. Just I didn't mind the the seeing them throwing the shield around playing catch off trees was fucking phenomenal. And yeah, they give you more of that. The, the family stuff with Sam, very Sam centric that we got early on and then they didn't come back to. So I did enjoy kind of like slow down and, and, and slow things down, take a breath, set up the pieces. But they're clearly not going to fucking resolve everything. Uh, that opening fight was fucking amazing because, like you mentioned, uh, Bucky's arm gets pried. They break his arm. It's very they break John. They break John Walker's arm. It's very much like the fight from Civil War, Captain America: Civil War. Uh, John Walker rips fucking Sam's wings right the fuck off. Oh shit! <laughs> I mean, it's very that that point is very. They're they're it's symbolic, right? Like you have old, you have the new Captain America yeah. basically ripping off Falcon's wings being like and it's almost like you're no you're longer done. the falcon yeah like you need to be captain america look who's doing this to you it's it couldn't be more uh spelled out okay and walker's yelling why are you making me do this and then he just goes i am captain america and he mm-hmm. he clearly by my account almost had them several times oh yeah no i i mean i knew it wasn't going to happen or i would have been shocked if it did let's just say but i, I mean he could have killed him easily. I mean, he, easily he had the upper hand big time there for a couple of hairy moments there. And then that moment was amazing where the, the final blow knocks everybody down. And then Bucky just picks up the shield, drops it next to Sam and doesn't even help him up. Just fucking walks away. Well, yeah. It's like his it's, fault. Yes. And then Sam's like cleaning off the blood. So can I ask you dudes? So, and I know we'll yeah. get more in depth with the plot of the episode, but just generally speaking. So is there a villainous character that John Walker's portraying in the comics? Or is this something brand new? 
that we've never seen. Like, in no, other words, I think that, yes, he is a kind of uh, loose cannon and he's not fit to be cap, mm-hmm. but he's not necessarily evil. Okay. Like, he's been bad in a few issues or, or, or been portrayed as like the bad guy in a few issues, but like, Overall, they keep bringing him back to being a hero and giving him his own book. Mm-hmm. So, even though he approaches things just a little more aggressively, you know, yeah, a different so, way, and he becomes U.S. agent in the comic books, which is, I think, what we're going to see. Well, I only ask because you know, seeing these back to back to back like this, maybe it's more highlighted yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah. But I do feel like John Walker's arc, um, and then maybe Sam too, because you have all the important stuff about race that Anthony mentioned. But John Walker's arc is like one of the most like it just shifts so much from episode one to episode five where he's like this wholesome blonde blue eyes, like Patriot basically uh, just this goody two shoes kind of dude. And then by episode five, he's almost killing the heroes. It moves, pre- it moves so, pretty quickly. I guess if you watch it all at once. Yeah. It, uh, it I mean, I like, I like what they did. I, I like what they've been doing with his character. And I kind of saw it coming. I'm like, this guy's not going to be because I, you know, you see him when he first makes, was it episode one that they first showed him at the very end, right? Yeah, At the yeah, very right. end. Yeah. And you see him and you're like, dude, Who's come this on. Guy? This is not yeah, fucking Captain. <laughs> I mean, there's no fucking way. I'm not going to buy this. That's what, that's what Rudd said after the first <laughs> episode. Like, like, come on, what are we doing? Here? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's go. Guys. I think he's I mean, doing a tremendous, Wyatt Russell's doing a tremendous job. I think, I think he's doing a good job. I think, I think the, the real world allegories are really well done where it's when he's in the, the tr- not the trial, but in front of the yes, committee the court, and he's like, you, court martial or whatever. you built me oh my like God. I only oh. did what I'm supposed to so do. Good. He's like, don't you and tell me about like, your mandates. <laughs> right. And and like, that's a lot of like soldiers that come back from the yep. war, like experience that where they're like, I was only doing what you told me to do. And then they get thrown on the street. Yep. Similar to this guy, you like just yep. get used and abused. So I really like that. Um, I really like the, some of the real world when they, when they touch upon like, the real world allegories, I, I really enjoy that, and I really enjoy the, the character work. So overall, I do like the show. I just wish like the main conflict, which was the flag smashers. I just I feel like I think Rugs mentioned it a couple episodes ago, but there was it seems like there was a disease or a, a virus storyline, virus storyline, and, and yeah. I think it's really missing that. There's no ur- sense of urgency in this, really. They're all it's mm-hmm. just kind of like, well, and uh, like see what happens. And I, I got this from Sean Chandler, but I agree with it. Like breaking Zemo out should have been a really big thing for them. Yeah, right. Because yeah. like Zemo like broke apart the Avengers, and it was kind of just like, oh, we need Zemo, but it's like. But why do we need Zemo? We hadn't seen anything up to that point to be like, man, these flag smashers—they're awful. Like we, 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 you're not even calling other heroes; you're calling Zemo. Go right to Zemo. Like, how yeah, bad are they? That's, a good point. Right? That's, a, that's one of the things. That's it's a good like point. when this is going on, we're all worried about super soldiers. But at the end of the day, we have gods. Right. We have fucking Thor. We have the Hulk. We have fucking crazy ass shit all over the place. So. Uh, we should be able to take care of this pretty easily, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Right, <laughs> right. We should just be able to hold her on. We didn't have a very good sense of the threat, and even afterwards, I mean, yeah, they killed people, but it's like you—you you really couldn't handle that on your yeah. own. I don't know. I just—I right. I feel like there's mm. some there's something missing, there and it's clear at this point. Yeah, it's especially when they these same heroes have tangled with these gods, yeah, and right. Thanos and shit. You know, like 
this should be a fucking walk in the park, you know, in in a lot of ways for them as well. But so I, it's like, on the other hand, uh, Spider Man was able to take care of both of them at that once in that movie pretty easily. So <laughs> he just caught his eye. That's, like, spi- that's that's overpowered Spider Man, and then he yes. can't do anything in his own Way movie. Overpowered. Uh, okay, wait. Let's go back to that moment in the courtroom. It's fantastic performance. They strip him. He avoids a court martial, but he freaks out in court. He's not getting retirement. No benefits. Sucks for his wife. And then we get the cameo we talked about last week, an existing Marvel Comics character, MCU debut, played by a well-known actor. It was Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Elaine from Seinfeld, mm-hmm. who just pops up out of nowhere as Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, who uh, has a rich history in the comic books. Uh, she's first appearance, 1967, Nick Fury's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was Nick Fury's love interest for a while. And then one of the she's one of the people who becomes Madam Hydra. And she works for Hydra and S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's an assassin and a fucking. I had no freaking clue who the hell she that, was when she I, that, said her name. I, I had to look that up a little bit, too. I wasn't exactly <laughs> I, I sure. I recognized as soon as that Contessa. she came on and she said her name. And I was like, oh, I, that's the lady with the long ass name with the. But she should have a white stripe in her hair. But then I looked like, oh, she has like a purple. I, yeah, I didn't even notice purple, the purple yeah. stripe. It was very subtle. And yeah, uh, so she tells him, John Walker, the U.S. government may not want you, but there's people out there thinking you're pretty valuable. Uh, pick up the phone when I call. And she gives him like a blank business card. Uh, I think what's confusing about and then she leaves. And uh, apparently the Variety article that came out that day, she was supposed to be introduced in Black Widow first, which mm. was supposed to come out first. And then the mm-hmm. show and then WandaVision. But it's all backwards, so I don't know. She may be in Black Widow. We may get a little bit more, but uh, th- she can set up a lot of things. Is she? It sounds looks like she's setting up a team, right? Potentially. Right? Yeah. So she could set up a, a Dark Avengers team or the Thunderbolts team. Um, well, on that Thunderbolts note, Zemo gets brought back to the raft. Oh, shit. And the raft is run by um, Ross, right? Who is Miss the Thunderbolt? And it's reformed, reformed supervillain team. Uh, the right. Thunderbolt. So that could happen. Uh, but then she mentions Cap Shield. Is she goes that the U.S. doesn't really own that. It's a legal gray area. Don't worry about it. I was like, what? Okay. The fuck does Wakanda? <laughs> is it a Wakanda? It's Wakandan vibranium. Do they own it? I don't know. That's true. Uh, so maybe they hyped up that cameo a little bit. But I do think. Did you like this casting? I love Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, yeah, I love her too. Hey. I, I don't know, man. I mean, do you think like? I mean, Anthony, do you know Julia Louis Dreyfus? <laughs> I know who she is, but <laughs> I, I mean, wasn't you're a young like, dude, right? I mean, you weren't probably like yeah, blown I, away I by it. Big, I wasn't a big Seinfeld guy, so I was just like, oh, okay, she's in a Marvel movie yeah. or yeah. Marvel thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't do, really feel anything either way. I was like, oh, all right. I, I do love her though, and I don't know anything about this character. So, had it been an actress that I wasn't familiar with, I would have had no idea. Like, I wouldn't have cared at all. So, the fact that it was her was pretty cool. She played like the villainy kind of like with the, with the humor really well, where she's like, "Call me Val," and don't call me Val. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't really have a real personality from the comics. Yeah. Like, she's kind of like around the Agents of Shield. She's you know, she hooked up with Nick Fury a few times and then they tried to do a couple of things with her, made it made her Madam Hydra at one point. And uh so she doesn't really have I mean, the latest thing that they did with her in the past like 10, 15 years have been more than they've done in the past, like however long she's existed. So I guess she's she's a blank slate too. They can make her whatever they want it to be. She they can make her funny. They picked a good person to uh kind of uh, give the reins to this. I think she'll do a great job making her funny and mm-hmm. kind of evil. 
Yeah, she's a great actress. I mean, Emmy, a lot Emmy worse. winning, Emmy nominated, mm-hmm. maybe winning. So you think that she's forming a team, or do you think that she's reforming high? That's also possible. Who is she working for? Who is she talking about? Uh, maybe she's the power broker. Maybe that's also possible. She could be. Speaking of, who else could be the power broker? Really small bit with Sharon Carter. Uh, she calls Batrock the leaper and she's like, I got a job for you. And then we see Batrock delivering weapons to the flag smashers, which all of this is confusing. So is she the power broker? The fuck's going on here? Well, she also said too, I'll double what you made last time. So she clearly oh, paid she him, sent him the first time. First too. Time. Holy shit. Oh shit. What? So is that clear evidence that she's the, po- I don't know. Like what's going on here? Why is she working against them? Well, again, why are we talking about this with an hour left in the, right? in the series? <laughs> right? I feel like, um, you know, it's just going to be a lot for them to like bring up and conclude in the same episode. I, I don't know. I mean, I was messaging Imran when I saw Sharon pop up, yeah. and I don't remember which episode she showed up initially, but I didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC when it came out, but I knew of it. I'd seen promos and like whatever. And I asked everyone, I was like, is that a girl from the ABC she, TV well, show? She, well, no, well, she uh, she did an appearance. It's not Haley Atwell. It's not uh, or okay. not one of the yeah. main. It's a different card. Yeah, it's, it's a different not Agent Carter. Carter. It's, not Agent, it's, okay. her, no, no, it's her niece. It's her nephew. Niece. Yeah. Sorry, nephew. Well, niece. <laughs> it is her niece. It's her nephew. Wait, what? But what? I believe Sharon Carter may have made an appearance on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't remember. But it is kind of like that kind of casting. Like, is this the person from the TV show? For, right, for right. what it's worth, Gerald, <laughs> Agents of Shield at this point in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is basically it's done. Exist. Yeah, they know. You, so you don't need to have watched that. Okay, cool. Yeah, oh, that's another reason why I was kind of. I thought I had seen the actress playing Sharon Carter on that show, or she had. Yeah, they had this. some like minute cameos yeah. on there, but okay, it's all kind of. Somewhat that erased. show also had kind of a Madame Hydra character with Ada in the framework, and she was like Viper, which is kind of like Madame Hydra. So- Let's try. Can I? Tr- can we try to figure out this whole power broker thing right now? Sure. Sure. All right. So Sharon Carter. Let's say she's the power broker. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. The power broker is trying to develop the super secret uh, super soldier serum. Yeah. Right. And why would she want to do that? Uh, so for because she got dicked over by America. Possibly she's still pissed because they didn't give her a, a pardoning immunity. Yeah, immunity. And so she maybe she thinks that she could buy her way back into the country with having the super But she also serum. brought them to the guy who was making the serum, but I don't think she thought that Zemo was going to shoot the dude. I don't know. I don't know if she's going to be it or not. I'm She didn't go in and I think that if she would have went in, she would have gotten recognized by the dude. Oh, she right? didn't go inside. That's a good point. Right. She's just like he's in there. But she let Zemo go in, and Zemo clearly hates yeah. um, super soldiers, and Zemo obviously killed them, so she let him kill the Golden Goose. Unless she wanted well, that, that to happen. I think, at this, I think at this point, she she thought she had another bunch of serum left, right? No? Well, she whoever the power broker is is texting the Flag Smashers being like, you took my serum, I'm going to kill so you. So either there maybe not, there is not an actual person who's the power broker. She's like created this kind of myth and she's controlling it. And like she is the power broker, but not really, you know, kind of thing. It, it's Zola with his flowing Well, that hat. was another. Who said that? Somebody <laughs> said it could be Armin Zola in a big fucking robot body with a screen in his stomach. That's possible. That could happen. I mean, it's, not, it's very possible. <laughs> Why not? Why not? I was going to say, maybe it's somebody we haven't even seen yet. That, yeah. Like, may, maybe they're doing all this as a ruse, and you have Julia Wee dreyfus and, and Sharon Carter, and, and then, you know, maybe they're just pawns or whatever, and we well, haven't that, even actually seen the power broker yet. Well, that's the thing with the... Seeing the Marvel shows and how they do things, they don't really introduce people out of the blue. Until it's like a bomb drop, right? Yeah. 
uh, I mean, and, and I think that whole uh, Contessa thing was like a, a like a red herring or something to make you distract, make you think that she's the power broker. Oh, and, oh it's really Sharon Carter. You know, God, if it's that, if, if that's gonna, it's just kind of predictable. If that's what I it's feel like, be. it's two at yeah. this point, two uh, red herrings because now it's like, well, it has to be Sharon. Yeah, but they can't do that. That's too obvious. That's not too. Obvious. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't. I, don't, I honestly. This is another one I, I don't do know. Do you think do you think we'll see Zemo again next episode? He uh we saw him. I, I love seeing Bucky fuck I, with his head. That was great. Yeah, somebody's gonna I didn't like I didn't like his exit. That was kinda uh, lame. He just they just took I mean, him, like, he handed him over to the Wakandans. He didn't run away very far. He went to Sokovia and they found him. I don't know. Yeah, I, I hope I hope we see him again. I hope he does something very, very bad, which would be in character for him, you know? He's like, you ever yeah. been to that memorial? Yeah. He talked like, about I it. I know where he yeah. yeah. And then that's where he was. I'm going to go check it out. So th- if you think about Zemo's head, like he, this is probably what he wanted. So he's up to something. It's just weird that he's done like that and that uh, he's not going to be a part of. He wore the mask once. I, that's it. That's I, thought it. He wore, I thought he would wear it more. It looks so cool, the motherfucker. He'll be, he'll be back. I mean, they clearly, they clearly laid the groundwork where he's like, we're taking him to the raft. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're going to put him with all the other bad yeah, people? Yeah, great idea. Yeah, he's clearly going to like break out and leave great him. idea uh and then uh post-credit scene of course we saw it, uh walker banging away working on his own shield and it looked like he was like uh, welding on his metals <laughs> on top of the shield he's gonna be we're gonna see u.s agent uh we also might see sam in a brand new fucking awesome wakandan captain america suit with wings oh shit possibly mm. what's in the box What's in the box? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's definitely going to do uh, Falcon America. He's going to be Falcon yeah. America with that bad. If the suit is badass. If it looks anything like it does in the comics. You notice he left his old wings with Torres. And in the comics, that dude becomes Falcon. Falcon. So now. Yeah. So Torres is yep, Falcon Torres now. Is Falcon. And Sam's going to be Captain Falcon. America. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, know, I know. I don't know if you guys want to touch on it. But I mean, something that this episode did really, really well, which is long fucking overdue um, for the MCU and just for kind of like action blockbusters, if you will, is this the discussion about race. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, we have and, to talk yeah. about that conversation. Absolutely, man. And when, when Sam and Isaiah have that, you know, moment, that like five minute scene at Isaiah's house or whatever, I mean, that's like powerful, like, mm. I mean, it's powerful, like acting, yes, but also it's just so relevant to... I mean, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. true yeah. shit. You know, I mean, Isaiah could have been a soldier from Vietnam or something. They could have been having that conversation with, you know, a, a soldier from modern day that just went to Afghanistan or something. It could have been the same type of conversation where if you look at, you know, Black Lives Matter, and you look at what's going on in the country. I mean, he's right. I mean, Marvel really had balls, I thought, just to kind of yeah. like tell the truth in that scene. I thought it was really like, I rewound and rewatched it because it was just so Carl Lumley was so good. too. Frankly, I couldn't believe that they did it frankly on Disney plus. I mean, it was just crazy. So yeah. Yeah. I watched it three times and I was every time I was like, wow, they went like they literally Marvel kind of staked its claim. Like, yeah, this is the U S has been really fucked up and we're going to acknowledge it Mm -hmm. right now. It's amazing from Disney. That line where he's like, they will never let a black man be captain America and no self-respecting black man should want to be captain America. Fuck. I just, I just, as minute he says, I just see Obama face palm. (laughs) (laughs) But then what do you mean? But I like Sam, how Sam takes all this and absorbs it. And in the end decides I have to make my own decision. Right. That, that, that was a big thing is Sam's like, Basically, I, I respect his opinion. Yep, yep. I also like 
it doesn't matter. Like I understand it, but it doesn't matter. Steve's opinion, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's what you think of yourself, right. and the the ideals you have, and the and what you need to live up to on your own. And he feels like being Captain America is the right thing for him to do. And if you're if you're resistant to change and you fall into that kind of you know rut or whatever, then change is not going to happen. So I think Sam realizes like. I mean, I got to do this. You know, I have to be the one to try to change this narrative, so to speak. Dude, what's fucked up is that if that happened right now, for real, half the fucking country would be like, nope, nope, we are not by Captain America. And he knows that this is what he's going to be facing. Uh, the story Isaiah Bradley tells straight from the comic books. In fact, the title of this episode, Truth, uh, comes from his first appearance, the miniseries called Truth, Red, White, and Blue. And it, they had put him in World War II, and this one they moved it to the Korean War, where he breaks out, saves POWs, and what's, what's the thanks he gets? They fucking experiment on him for 30 It's years. a very analogous story to the Captain America, where he breaks out and saves everyone, and he's regarded as a hero. Yeah. But he goes and does it. First off, he's like, they wanted to bomb the ev- they wanted to get rid of the evidence. Yeah, they're going to bomb and, the whole camp. But those boys weren't evidence. Those were my yeah. boys, basically. Yeah. And then, yeah, so another, he gets experimented Another on. brilliant parallel is we're talking about can you be a good man and a perfect soldier together? And now Steve Rogers was that. Also, Isaiah Bradley was another person where it stayed stable and it didn't corrupt him. It just made him more, uh, you know, and to think, you know, it's just what what would what would have been like if they well, he, used him? He was clearly like in line with Steve yeah, Rogers. Yep. He again broke out yep, to save because of the color of his skin. Yep. Exactly. He was regarded as someone different. And then they, exactly. It's that life gets erased. And that story with the letters and his wife, and they told her he was dead and she died. He didn't get through a fucking hell, dude. That was amazing. What a great performance by Carl. I even like Sam's line where he's like, Steve did not kill you, man. Yeah, Steve, Steve did not did like, put, put you, you in jail. jail. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I was so many say, good perspectives. Go ahead, Gerald. I was going to say, I don't know if it's in the cards or whatever, but I would love to see. A, a series or a movie or something with like Isaiah. Oh, they could do then. that now. Oh, yeah. They could do that now. You know, they like, could do a prequel go back series. Back to the 60s or whatever Fuck and yeah. just show that kind of. I mean, it's obviously heartbreaking and we kind of know the ending at this point. I feel like um, yeah, it'd be a really yeah, depressing series. Right. <laughs> Where he ended up. But man, what a story. Yeah, that was every time Isaiah Bradley, both times, this, both scenes have been fucking phenomenal. Well, I just like to, like, there, one thought is like Sam defending Steve and just being like, like, dude, you can't. You can't hate every white person because of yeah. what these white people did to you. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And then, but Isaiah's so far gone that he's like, it's over. Like, and yeah. he's like, and you know, and he doesn't even like. I love the the line where like he's uh, Sam's like, we, we got to do something. We got to tell somebody. Like, I know people, and he's like, no, leave me dead. Like, yeah, I, we no. can't. Yeah, he's like, you think they're not going to kill me the minute the story gets out, and they absolutely will. He's kind of right. It's too late to get the story out. Mm-hmm. Just, just a good all around, just Fuck. really good lines. Yeah, really, everybody really had well. great motivations and thoughts, and uh, that and the show has done this this whole time. The different sides that ever and uh, uh, the humor is also great. I loved Bucky, where Sam's like, "Why didn't you use your metal arm?" He goes, "Oh, I, I sometimes <laughs> I forget. I'm right handed." <laughs> <laughs> I also love the stick throughout the episode of him flirting yes, with the sister. Like, Don't flirt with my sister. I, they had a little thing going. I, they should hook up. I'm Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm Bucky, Sarah, yeah. and, yeah. and Sam's like, the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I feel like Bucky now after that last conversation where Sam's like, look, you want the heart, some hard love? You got to go have give closure to these people. Like he's gonna have to go back to that Japanese dude, yeah. tell him that he yeah. killed his son. It's yeah. gonna be fucking heartbreaking. 
Hey guys, why didn't the the date the hot Asian chick that he went oh, on a yeah, date yeah. with in episode one? Where did why didn't she come back? I loved her. I thought she was so charming and like <laughs> a I good agree. question. She, but she never came no. back. You know why? She, where she's coming back? Shang Chi. Shang Chi. Yeah. That's right. All right, baby. <laughs> that's, she's gonna be in Shang Chi. I love that Imran picked that up. Ninety five percent Asian cast. <laughs> no, it's ninety six. She got her. We got the girl from Falcon and Winter Soldier. Okay, he good stuff. Charming. I think uh, you know we're ready for a fucking crazy finale. With well, let's wait. Let's go around real quick. I know yeah. Gerald's already kind of hinted at it, but yeah. do we think the finale will live up to what they've built up will so far? It's deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for me, yes, I think I, I love that it's truncated. I love that it's six episodes. You know, they keep it very tight and very, you know, like it's right there. The, you can't really veer off into too many different paths or whatever. So I think because of that, I think they're going to wrap it up nicely. You know, WandaVision, I enjoyed more. Yeah. Uh, I know they're, I know they're different, but just from an enjoyment factor, I think I enjoyed that one more from, from beginning to end. And there were, you know, a couple more episodes there. So, I probably think it probably would have been better had they added and maybe did like eight episodes, mm. you know, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll do good. I mean, they, they know what they're doing. I mean, everything they've been putting out is great. So, you know, we have qualms about them or whatever. But at the end of the day, they're great uh, entertainment value, I feel like. Rugs, do you think they're going to stick the landing? Let's see, what's, let's see what pieces are on the board here. What we got? Um, okay, we got Batrock the Leaper. We got the rest of the, the, the flags. They're smashers. in New York City. They're going to hit that we, meeting. We got Sharon Carter, who may or may not be the fucking the what are what's her face? Uh, the power, power broker. broker. You got John Walker still probably wants to kill Carly because she's the one who actually killed Lamar and he lied to his family. Lamar's right. family. Now we got uh, Falcon America and Falcon. Yes. And Falcon and Bucky. And, and Bucky. Yeah. So a lot of pieces. if they can bring all of those pieces to the table and use them I, and, and use them well. <laughs> and maybe Zemo. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe Zemo. Uh, it'd be interesting. I don't know if they're going to introduce any new characters on the last episode. I really don't think they're going to do that. So those are the players that we have. So you got to think about location too. The only way we're going to get like a power broker thing is if they go back to Madripoor for some reason. But right now these people are in New York going after. So I don't know. I mean, there's going to be action. There's definitely going to be, I'm going to say at least 15 minutes of action, if not more, yeah. but like, um, are we go at the end of this? Where are we going to be at? We, we're not going to, as the guy said, we're not going to have like a resolution. There's going to be a different place. Sam so. will officially be the new Captain America. So Sam will be cast. Possibly, yes. Uh, Walker will team up with Contessa. Yes. Uh, we'll find out what Sharon's deal is, and maybe we'll find out who the fucking power broke. Torres will be the new Falcon. What's the next series on Disney Plus Loki. after this? Do you think there's any cameos coming no, to like no, lead us into no, that? Or I, this, no. I feel like no. WandaVision, uh, this show, and Loki, these are all different tracks that are setting up these different things in the MCU that kind of don't really cross over yet. You know, this is... I was going to say, they could get really fucking crazy and just some random hero shows up in the last <laughs> well, 10 that, minutes you know, of this. The you know? They were saying, is old Steve Rogers going to show up or some shit? Oh, like, shit. that was a theory also. I feel yeah. like I'm. I feel like what we're gonna get is uh, similar to the end of Wandavision. Uh, m- big things will be resolved. Places, pieces will be placed for the future. Not everything. There'll be some threads hanging, and then I think there's gonna be a good balance of action. Hopefully, more action than drama, like they've been giving us, uh, and lots of explosions. I don't know, Anthony. What do you think? Is it gonna land? Uh, you know, I don't think they're gonna have everything neatly tied up because I no. think there's just so many things going yes. on. Uh, similar to Gerald, I think. 
I enjoyed WandaVision more up to this point, like in a similar track. I think WandaVision um, built so much that I think the, the finale for a lot of people was a little bit disappointing. Whereas this, I think... I don't think it's had like the buzz that WandaVision's had. So I think inevitably actually it'll be like a little bit more crowd pleasing yeah, yeah. because yeah. it's not this like by the end of by episode eight of WandaVision, we were all like, Mephisto's coming here. <laughs> like, every, like, I mean, people were just losing their minds on like the possibilities. And I don't think that's happening in this. Yeah. I think this is this show has been a little bit more subdued in that aspect. So I think although I don't think they'll be able to resolve everything, I think it'll be a satisfying conclusion for a lot of people. WandaVision was satisfying. I thought they did that well. And yeah, I'm hoping for another. I mean, what's the big, what is the big thing that they need to resolve here? They need I don't to, know. Stop the flag smashers. I don't know. Yeah. What the, heck the deal with the flag smashers is and, and the power broker. With the, power, the power broker. Yeah, those, those are the are two that. things. You can't have these super powered people out being fucking terrorists, basically. So that's going to have to be resolved. Uh, U.S. agent is definitely, or Walker's gonna be like the wild card. Like, I could see him coming in, fucking things up at the wrong moment. Or yeah. maybe not, and it's like a post-credit scene. This is the first post-credit scene we've had. So, yeah, I think you're right, Anthony. Is I think it's better where we don't have too many expectations. So you can just go in and enjoy. Yeah, just have a good time. What yeah. they give you. Uh, if you guys want to hear an interesting podcast conversation, uh, Fat Man Beyond, Kevin Smith and, uh, Mark Bernardin had, Ed Brubaker on recently. Oh, my God. That was heartbreaking. Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting are the creators of The Winter Soldier. And Brubaker, this is he's so honest in this interview. Uh, and we all know for the longest time since Stan Lee started Marvel, the right creator's rights have been an issue. It's the reason Steve Ditko left, the reason Jack Kirby left, the reason a lot of people left, the reason in the 90s image started and McFarlane took everyone, said, fuck this work for higher shit. We want to own our creation. So... Ed Brubaker has said he had a small cameo in Civil War and Winter Soldier. He had one line. He's like, I get more money from residuals from that cameo than I do from creating fucking the Winter Soldier for, for the, the screen. And the reason is these contracts are 40, 30, 40 year old contracts that never had any of this worked in. Uh, and it was work for hire. So you did it and it they owned it. It was heartbreaking because he was like talking about like how Bucky is his favorite character. Yeah, and ever if he made. ever got to change, yeah. and like if he ever got to work on a book, it would be a book. And he like fucking rewrote Nomad and got rid of Nomad, yeah. wrote that whole Bucky version out and put this Winter Soldier version, which is 10 times cooler. Yeah, all of this comes from him like a lot. He's like, they're pulling storylines that I came up with in my head. And he's like, it sickens me a little bit seeing and the commercials for the show. <laughs> then they invited him to the premiere of one of the movies. And they made him sit in like in the overflow like, fucking theater. Like he's the guy who created the, the show creator that you made your movie of the about. character and he put him in the overflow fucking theater. So you can tell he's like super bitter about like no one giving a shit about you creating everything that everyone's yeah, making money yeah. of. Well, but he's he makes his own stuff Sucks. now. Yeah, it's it was dude. He was super honest. It was very refreshing to hear him talk yes, about this. I was that was the most quiet I've ever seen Kevin Smith yeah, ever. He's just he like, just like holy well, shit. Kevin Smith like legitimately loves everyone and can't like criticize anything. So if someone comes on the show and <laughs> criticizes things, he's just got to shut up. <laughs> he shuts down. Yeah, yeah he's like, he's oh, like oh, holy oh, shit, oh, negativity. Oh, oh my god. Can't he, say yeah. bad things about daddy. Yeah. And he tried to like spit it into something good, but I know that like he kind of like Brubaker's like, like we're in a, we're in such a, like a society that seeks justice now yeah, for like yeah. people. So like, 
if I put this out there, maybe I can get a hashtag going. Hey, <laughs> Brubaker. But he said, he's like, I'm not pissed or bitter. It's just, this is what it is. And it, it sucks. And people should know. And he's like, I love Sebastian Stan and he's perfect for the role. And it's just a shitty situation that uh, old contracts, you don't know what's going to happen. Definitely check that out. If you want to hear yeah, it. Sorry. Great. Uh, also check this out. Listener, as we go to break, get some merch, get a t-shirt, a mug, a phone case with our logo on it, the old logo, new logo, visit our shop, jockandnerd.com slash shop over on TeePublic. Uh, there is a sale this week, April 22nd to 24th, up to 35% off everything. So you can get some swag and look sharp as uh, you go out and watch movies again in the theater. That's people are doing. We're going to take a break and come back and talk about <laughs> some really uh, depressing movies uh, as we discuss the Oscars, the 2021. Oh, <laughs> right after this. Was A Quiet Place inspired by signs it comes at night in War for the Planet of the Apes? Was Ready Player One influenced by Avatar, Wreck-It Ralph, and The Last Starfighter? Is the Hurricane Heist more influenced by Sharknado or Geostorm? These are the kinds of questions my guest co-hosts and I discuss on my podcast, Piecing It Together. Every week we look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies inspired it. Whether it's the story, the character development, tone, or even use of music. Every movie was influenced by something that came before and we want to figure out what. Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Drew. I'm Nate. And I'm Tanner. And we are the hosts of Headline Heroes. Every week we take a bizarre, out there article. Germans build underground pipeline for beer. And attempt to create a superhero or villain. The obvious one is that they have a giant robot that runs off of beer. Along the way we discuss powers, design a costume, and of course, struggle with a name. Graham Graham Sam Sam? No, no. Graham Graham Sam Sam? No! And inevitably we get off subject and talk about the really important stuff. I did go to Bill Engvall's website and i just want to tell you a couple of things i'm seeing here. please do i wish you would but we always arrive with the super creation we are proud of join headline heroes every tuesday as we try to make reality a little more super listener if you enjoy the show join our awesome fan club you can be an awesome fan club member visit jockandnerd.com slash patreon jockandnerd and you will be part of our exclusive patreon community for as little as $3 a month support, you will get a bonus RSS feed with bonus content. The shows come out early. We got a sports show, movie reviews. I've been putting up instant reactions to every episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier. That will continue with the finale. Uh, and occasionally, Anthony will record a sports show when there's sports that he's into. <laughs> nothing nothing. Is sports true. is kind of a dead zone right now, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's kind of... There's not a ton. I mean, there's things going on, but nothing to really hype you up yet. Okay. Well, when there is, we'll let you know. Join the fan club, jockandnerd.com slash Patreon. Uh, okay. Let's move into the main part here. Anthony, uh, we have Gerald on because uh, the, uh, the 93rd annual Oscars Academy Awards ceremony will be this weekend, April 25th uh, in a pandemic situation. This year, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm the first oh Oscars I'm gonna watch it in its entirety. Yeah, you me know too. that's so ironic because they're saying this is going to be the lowest viewed oh, fucking Oscars they've ever had, and their ratings have been on a decline since 2014. Uh, fun fact: the Oscars ratings peaked in 1988 when 52 million people watched Titanic, 
win the best picture that year. Are you sure oh, that's the right shit. stat? 1988 is not 1988. 1988. 1988. They were ahead of their time. In 1988, it was uh, some Tom Hanks movie. Oh, no, man. Philadelphia or Yeah, no, that was not, that's still too early. Anyways, but 52 million people. Used to watch the fucking Oscars, and now they'll be lucky to get a couple yeah, million. Uh, can I just say something about that real quick? Yeah. So, and I don't want to sound like a movie snob, right? But what happens with the Oscars, and it's their own fault, is they are out of touch. Like, they can't get out of the, like, old Hollywood, old white dudes in top hats, uh, you know, world in that they live three in. three and a half hours show. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know, man. It's just weird. Now, if you're somebody like me, and obviously more recently Anthony, too, that just like loves the art of filmmaking and loves movies, then we're going to be into it. You know, we're not going to care what the show necessarily looks like or what, or who the host is or whatever. It's just honoring the movies that we love that we saw the past year and, and the different crafts that are involved in making those projects, which is what really, you know, has gotten me into movies so, so much. But well, this year, I think it's going to be a very unique watch. And I'm really interested in seeing the ceremony because, it, first of all, this closes the longest award season they've ever had because they pushed it back. Steven mm-hmm. Soderbergh uh, uh, has been tasked to reinvent the show. Articles, there was an article came out today. He he said, first of all, there's going to be no Zoom bullshit. There's remote locations with cameras. Uh, he wants to make it special. He wants to make it like an I Love Movies event. He's designing this like a movie, apparently. So I feel like we should expect these presenters doing like scripted scenes. And he said he's going to film it like a movie, not like a TV show. It's very interesting. He's just trying to, up, like you said, he's trying to update it and make, and, and kind of make it something different. Look, Soderbergh's a great filmmaker, man. Let's let him do it. I mean, he, he made an entire movie. You were talking about my love of horror earlier. He did a horror film about five years ago called Unsane. Oh. He filmed he filmed the goddamn thing on his iPhone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he also he did Contagion <laughs> in 2011 that pretty right. much predicted the goddamn pandemic to a T. He is right. filming his second movie during the pandemic. So this it, it can't be any worse than when the Globes broadcast. That was that was rough. Yeah, that was rough. That was, that was a quite a quite an introduction to award season for this guy. That was tough. Tell it you. will be hostless again, uh, as they've been doing past couple of years. So yeah. See, like I, I had this kind of theory that um, one of the reasons I watched the Oscars was to learn about movies that I hadn't already seen. Also, that's so, a good take. Like so, yeah. If I saw all the movies, great. But it's also like let's celebrate these movies and get people interested in them. Yeah, that's a good so, take. So uh, they don't really do it's and it's so much about the celebrities and right, what the fuck that right. they think and it's not about the movies yeah, yeah. or the art it, it, and uh, like let's take let, let's take a look at their performances and like I want to see it and just uh, go wow that was fucking I sh- I want to watch that movie now mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and I think that that's not what it's centered about like it used to be or maybe was done in the past more mm-hmm. now it's just like these long ass speeches. And it's just weird. <laughs> yeah, as far as the show itself goes, I mean, and Emra was talking a little bit about it, but I mean, it's it's going to be tough this year, man. But I just saw, actually, I think it was today or yesterday that they're not going to let the, I shouldn't say they're not going to let them, but they're not going to encourage the attendees that are going to be there to wear masks. Well, they even. said on camera, they don't have to wear masks. The, the, it's on camera? Yeah, okay. and it's kind of like if you were on a movie set. He's running it like that. If you're on a movie set, right, if you're on right. camera, you could take the mask off. The minute you get off, you got to put the mask on. 
Mm. You know, but to Rugboy's point, I mean, he's right. So what people should be doing, the general public or general audience, whatever you want to call them, what they should be doing is they should be like, okay, what movies got nominated? What eight movies got nominated for the best film of the last 15 months? Okay. And those eight movies, Rugboy should go, wow, maybe I should want to see them. Yeah, what are they yeah. about? What's going on? So when he tunes into the Oscars, he's going to get a little taste of that. And it's going to entice him to, you know, rent it or possibly go out to the theater to watch it. And most of the time, you know, studios do re-release movies that get the Oscar push because they do want people to see them and be familiar with them when they come up on the on the broadcast. Yep, yep. So he's absolutely one hundred percent right because not everybody's me, right. you know, who's watching four hundred movies a year yep. or whatever and just fucking loving it. You know what I'm saying? It's, but they do need to bring in viewers to see these really great cinematic achievements yeah. because they really are a work of art in my opinion. I know Anthony agrees with me, but I think they're just, you know, a lot of the movies that are going to be mentioned at the Oscars this year are literally like perfect. Like they're flawless. Yeah. Like there's so many great, great films that came out this past year that unfortunately because of the pandemic or whatever, people just haven't seen. But you can see a lot of these movies. They're across all the streaming services. I think this is the most that I've ever seen. You could actually watch yeah. mm -hmm. this Good. year. So yeah. Anthony, how do you want to do this? I want everyone to, Place their bets, take their prediction. I'm going to write it down. We'll tally up the scores after the, <laughs> sure. the ceremony. We, we can we can do that. We'll we'll me and Gerald will kind of we've we've been kind of building towards this on Patreon. Yeah. So if you've been following on Patreon, me and Gerald have done like maybe two or three. I don't I don't remember two at least you two. Did two. Yeah, there's two, <laughs> two shows. recordings yep. where we were predicting things based on the data we had at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, now this is kind of like the lead up to that. And we're we're doing our final prediction. So if you've tuned in so far, I'm I'm glad you can finally listen on the real show, and um, I appreciate you listening. Before we like get see into how predictions, wrong we though, were. <laughs> see how wrong exactly. Yeah. So before we get into predictions, though, I know Gerald. You know you've you've already kind of mentioned how great some of these movies are. But for people that haven't seen these movies, you know, mm -hmm. specifically, let's say like the best picture nominations, but anything really that that caught your eye and was in nominated for stuff like just overall what are what are your thoughts on on this year's crop standouts in your personal opinion that people should be watching anything Dude. that comes to mind <laughs> trying to stay, to I'm, I'm trying to stay seated here but look th this was a phenomenal year for film okay and the problem is is that there was a goddamn global pandemic okay but what that did is that really, and you know, Imran alluded to this a minute ago, really made these films so much more accessible to people if they would just seek them out. Uh, you know, there's movies that if they had limited theatrical releases because they're independent or whatever, like you know, The Father, Minority, you know, those types of films, even Nomadland to a certain extent with Chloe Zhao. I mean, people would not be seeing them. They're right there, guys. Yep. They're literally available with your television remote in most cases. Um, seek seek them out and what the Academy did this year which I really really appreciate that they don't always do they did it last year with a film like Parasite but they really decided to throw in some hip kind of out of the box choices uh. Anthony knows that Promising Young Woman is like literally the greatest thing in the history of all time, in my opinion. So it, that is just for what it's worth. If promising young woman gets like any love in the major oh, categories. I, Gerald is going to shoot to the fucking moon. <laughs> oh my God. My, my surgery, it'll be like it never happened. I'll just be fucking perfect shape. But yes, you know, but that's not an Oscar movie to my point. That's a very like hip kind of indie movie. Risque yeah. choice. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's not a lot of that. Sound of Metal's another one. I mean, Sound of Metal's not necessarily an Oscar-y type movie. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it's about it's about a heavy heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing. That's on Amazon Prime, guys. Anybody has Amazon that has not seen Sound of Metal, like I would literally look at you and go, "What the fuck are you doing?" Go watch like, it. I haven't watched it. Yet. It's so good. Please watch yes. this. I mean, Please it's really it. really I good. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I've been wanting to. I just haven't done it. But yeah, I don't want to drone on and on. But just to answer Anthony's question, I think that people are blinded by what happened in 2020 and you know COVID, and they're kind of letting that kind of mask what's in front of them. Like this was an amazing year. In my opinion, it was better than the 2019 year in film. And if we're just talking about, you know, year over year, I feel like we had a better lot of films in, in the last 14 to 15 months. Cause obviously they extended their, their, their time that they were eligible. So I think a lot of the films that we're going to talk about here in a second, you, if you haven't seen them, namely promising young woman, uh, <laughs> well, you need it. to seek them out immediately. I feel like the re one of the reasons besides the fact that we're in COVID and I feel like, it's such a down year and we've been so cooped up. I don't want to have anything, any more things to think about. That's heavy, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I'm kind of, I stay kind of stayed away this year. That's I fair. also, I also feel like the sense of the Epic movie is not in this. And, or, or like when I found like, Oh, these are so these sweeping Epic things that are like, like huge productions or that was like, Whatever these are like all these smaller movies, yeah, right? Right. And I, even though I, and I like those, and I like I like the fact that it's expensive, but they're all I don't I don't really think there's no there's, enough. Not, there's not a big budget movie on here. No, no or not even not even a big budget, but like just something that is epic in scale and scope. You mean like yeah. a you mean like a Titanic type deal kind of? Yeah, version. just yeah. nothing like nothing like that. Like it, it seemed like to be all like on a similar level, um, or si- similar like budget, similar. Yeah, that's fair. Kind of very small movies that are just like. These character stories. You know what else I noticed? This year, there's no period movie that takes place in Victorian England with like Michael Caine or Anthony Hopkins. There's always <laughs> one of those fucking movies. Well, Anthony Hopkins is around, though. He's, he's in the no, father. He is, which but, is, uh, but, there, but it's... Oh, yeah, he's, in, he's always in there. You know, the there's no somewhere. like he's a butler in a castle in Victoria. <laughs> like, there's always right. one of those fucking movies in here. No, to, right. to, to that point, I mean, this is a pretty, you know, in my limited... Oscar gaining knowledge. This is a pretty uh, unique year yeah. in terms of like, there's not a ton of, Absolutely. like there's some historical recreations, but like, like Judas there's is, a few. Yeah. Judas, a few, yeah, yeah, but Judas is like, they don't normally do black Panther type stuff. Right. Like all these stories right. are, are not really Oscar-y other than like Mank. Like Mank is like clear, like old school. Yeah, uh, yeah that's the one I was going to point out. That's the biggest sweeping. But everything uh, is good. tackling something heavy, you know? All of these movies kind of tackling this one heavy theme, and they do it well. Yeah. yeah. Well, when movies are about something, they're usually, you know, really heavy, and they tackle something, you know? Yeah. So uh, it's great. I just, for some reason, maybe uh, I'm going to catch up with all of these uh, soon at some point. But Maybe you'll maybe um, be uh, compelled after we discuss maybe, here. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I watched two of two more of these this weekend. By the yeah, way, what you watch? Where are you at? Uh, I watched Promising Young Woman. Ooh, okay. Oh my god! Because right, okay. it's a six dollar rental now, so I was waiting for it to fucking go down. But then you know what? I yeah. I was going to send you my digital code. Oh, I forgot that's about right. That. Whatever, it's fine. I, it's, yeah. now, and then I watched Minari, which is still a twenty dollar fucking rental. But all so right, I caught up. Right. So well, I've seen. Uh, do you want to tell us what you thought of those? Uh, well, we can get there. We'll get there after, after you do the prediction. Right, in the meantime, okay, after right. the I'm sitting there waiting with bated breath to watch Nobody. Yes, I want to see that, too. <laughs> I just too. saw that. It was really good. Yeah, I want to fucking see Nobody, too. That looks amazing. I'm like, that's the one I'm clamoring yeah. for. It's not an Oscar film. No, but, but it's really good, though. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. 
that's 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 where my head's at right now. Like I, I want to be, I want to be convinced. I want to be uh, kind of convinced to watch something. So guys, have at it. You know. All right. Do you, Ron? Do you want to do all these categories? We've all, me and Gerald have only been the, doing like the six majors. Yeah, the major want, six. Wherever yeah. you yeah. want to start. I mean, I you know I got thoughts well, on Gerald, some I'll of them. I'll leave it up to you. Do you want to throw in these other Whatever three real quick or no? I think the major six, but I don't know if you want to quickly touch on animated since we did cover yeah, soul on this yes, show I put that in yeah there we'll just that. do animated okay. real quick so the animated crop onward over the moon a sean the sheep movie farmageddon soul and wolf walkers mm-hmm. um i mean it's got to be soul right gerald i think it is because yeah. fucking disney pixar and it's also <laughs> a re- it's also a really really good movie i mean the music in this movie is phenomenal yeah, cartoon saloon that did wolf walkers deserve they deserve better uh, because every year that they're involved, they're up against Disney. Yeah, you can't beat Disney. Okay. And you just can't. I, I mean, and I'm not taking away from Soul. If I was an Academy voter, I would be voting for Wolfwalkers because I love them both equally. And Wolfwalkers is is a pure underdog. It's definitely like, underdog. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. a movie where it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's literally like David versus Goliath because yeah. you have Disney against Cartoon Saloon, which is like 10 guys making an animated movie in their apartment. 10 Irish dudes, too. So, yes. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. Irish. Yeah. Too. So, that's a real big all the time. Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's sold pretty easily, but I do love the fact that Wolfwalkers is is at least that runner up, I feel like, you know. Do do the I'm going soul. Do we want Imran uh, and Russ uh, to pick? Uh, yeah, yeah, everyone no, uh, everyone pick. Okay. Uh I've seen Onward, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. It's funny, Onward is in there. That was so long ago, and it's Disney against Disney mm-hmm. a yeah. little bit. And I agree, Wolfwalkers is beautiful. The accents, the story. But it's going to be Soul, especially about what it's dealing with and the time we're in. They got to give it to Soul. Rugs, what do you think? I saw Over the Moon and I really liked it. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, Soul's Okay, everyone said Soul. Soul across the board. Should should we, moving forward, make Rugboy pick first just because he hasn't seen anything? Yes, that'll be funny. He can't just just pick on the logo. I like that. Yeah, yeah, all right. right. That'll be good. Okay. yeah, Soul's going to win. And by the way, this is, at least from my perspective, I'm just picking the movies that I think will win, not what I would want no, to win. No, we should all be picking the movies we think the Academy is going to pick. Right. right. That's the okay. game. Okay, fair yeah, enough. That's the game. Okay, so uh, we'll get into the acting categories. So we'll start with Best Supporting Actress. So right now it's Maria Bakalova, Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy, Maria Bakalova from Borat, sorry, Olivia Coleman from The Father, Amanda Seyfried from Mank, and Yu Jung Yoon from Minari. Mm. Before we get into any analysis, Rugs, what's your pick? <laughs> oh, my, my pick? Blind pick. Uh, I don't uh, My blind pick, I'm going to have to, I'm going to say Maria Bakalova, okay. because it's the only That's movie I've seen. That's a good blind pick. That's a good yeah, blind, blind pick. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now we, we can discuss now. Um, <laughs> Gerald, I think uh, we were. This was one of those categories when we first started talking that we thought was way oh, up man. in the air. It is and such I feel a like toss up, and I feel like it's been like actually gotten much clearer with the BAFTA win and who the, won those? Uh, Yu Jung Yun. Yu Jung yes. won the BAFTAs. I believe she won the SAG too. Right? Wow! Right. I so think, those are the crossover categories. I feel I like think, she's in the lead. Yeah, I think Yoon from Minari. Uh, well, let me. I'll just give you my pick. It's going to be Yoon from Minari. However. However, I literally think this is a heads and tails flip of the coin between race. her and Maria Maria Whoa. Bakalova. Really? Uh, now, when when Anthony and I talked a couple months ago, I said Glenn Close, hundred percent, she's going to win. Like, oh, there's, dude. you know, but now, and and this happens to poor Glenn Close <laughs> every couple years, where she's like the front runner forever, and then like the last two months, these like you know young people come in and just kind of take over or whatever. Will uh, take she over, ever take win over the an narrative. Oscar? 
So I'm, I'm going to go uh, Yu Jung Yoon for Minari here, <laughs> but I Yoo think Jung-Yoon as well. I think Maria could be a dark. So Yu Jung Yoon played the grandmother, right? In Minari, mm-hmm, that's she correct. She was yeah. amazing. Glenn Close been nominated eight times and never <laughs> yeah. fucking won. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and and I would say, and I'd have to go back and look, Imran, yeah. but I would say like five or six out of those eight, she was like the front runner the whole time. <laughs> it was like the favorite, you know what I mean? And like, it's just, it's, she just gets beat, you know, at the last second. So it really sucks because she's a veteran actress yeah. that does such amazing work. And she, you know, <laughs> to her credit, she's really the only like positive thing to take away from Hillbilly Elegy. It's not movie, a very good yeah, movie. I heard it was a little boring. It's the only movie on this list that I still haven't seen. I heard it wasn't the greatest. Uh, yeah. Anthony, what is your pick? Uh, Yu Jun Yoon oh, uh, as well. I, I Just because of her SAG win and then the BAFTAs, it's a lot of crossover um, mm-hmm members on bo- all the board on those and i think she's she's kind of, I, I mean her her or maria bakalova if either of those won i'd be yep. i'd be over the moon for either of those characters. i, I, those I, are I, top I agree i would I, w- I would love maria to win she's amazing in that movie and you don't like politics to creep into things but they do and the academy knows what's going on right now with you know Fuck. stop asian hate yes. and everything okay is unfortunately happening in society right now yeah mm-hmm. and i mean minari is an asian film yeah. it's about yeah. you know assimilation in america from an asian family yeah. parasite and won last year beautiful story yeah. parasite won last gonna, year you uh, have that connection you guys convince me i'm putting that's my pick too though Imran, by the way, before we move on to the next one, yeah. did you catch the moment in Minari that I told you made me laugh so, so I, fucking there hard? Was a, there was a bunch of moments that I was like, I was thinking about that the whole time. I was well, like, what's the one you think I like could have bowled over laughing? So it's either the pee drinking or the broken ding dong. It's it's the pee the pee drinking the reaction she has to the pee drinking. Yes, I I, good, bold, I I laughed. I rewound it and laughed just as hard as the first time. That when fucking I kid! I was like, oh no, what are you doing? And then it was really and then he, good. And then man. later he asked her what it tastes like. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking yeah. about the whole time of watching this movie. I was like, which moment? It's like it's got to be broken ding dong or pee drinking. It's got to be the one pee, of these the things. pee drink. The way she. Re- Drinks it thinking it's Mountain Listen, Dew. Listen, so, so funny. can I just say, like I said, I watched Minari, Yu Jung Yoon. She was so real. Like, I have relatives. She yeah. reminded me of my Asian fucking aunts and uh, like the old older people in our Eastern culture. So real, so great. Uh, and it, that was a great story. That, that's a strength of that movie, just in general, is just how real it feels. Yeah. Yes. You know? yes. And how beautifully it's shot, but how like the real, the acting. Was that supposed feels. to take place like now? Present day, no, the 80s. 80s, oh, it was Arkansas. The 80s, Arkansas, like 1985. Okay, or okay. So that's the thing too. Is like you think 80s Arkansas, Asian Asian family yeah. on a farm. Oh my God, there's gonna be a really racist movie. It's yeah. like not, no, like not no, at all. No. Like there's no, they hardly ever even broach the subject of like them assimilating and like people not accepting them. Right, they're already working there, and there's people working there. Yeah, I mean, like the church is like there. super accepting of them. Look, like, oh, yeah. yeah, stand yeah. up. Yeah, like, beautiful family. Look beautiful you. family. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, okay, all right, cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you think about like Japanese people have been here since the 1800s. Like the the, the, the there has been assimilation. So, but yeah. still, yeah, great fucking movie. All right, we got our picks for best supporting actress down. I think that's those are good picks. Yeah. Uh, best supporting actor, we got Sasha Baron Cohen from The Trial of Chicago Seven. Daniel Kaluuya from Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami, Paul Racy, Sound of Metal, mm. Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah, Man. Rug Boy. <laughs> Another tight race. <laughs> <What> you got? <laughs> Let's see. Um, <laughs> Have I'm you seen any of these? 
Yeah, yes, no, yes. Uh, he's, Trial of Chicago 7, okay. I saw. saw that okay. okay, all right. I did see that. So I'm going to say Daniel Kaluuya in a movie I didn't see. Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. in the back, Black Messiah. That's yeah. Fred Hampton. Un- unfortunately, I think this is the, the biggest lock, right? I think, Gerald, what do you think? I think it's Daniel Kaluuya. He's won everything. I think, think he's a lock here. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you something, all right? And it might be controversial. I told you when you came on my Patreon, yeah. you know, we talked about it last time. Paul Racy, of this five right here, Paul Racy's performance is literally like an alien from another planet. I mean, it's unworldly <laughs> what he does in this movie. That's uh, he, another one where it's so real, right? Oh, my like God. I mean, so, it's it, like such a real person. Yeah, very real. And I'm movie. talking about as a viewer, and of course, this is at home because on Amazon, I can't remember if it got released theatrically. I don't think it did, though. But you're watching it, and I'm talking about just like, looking at like Paul Racy's eyes, even like when he's talking, when he's in the scene, when he's in the moment and, you know, when he has to say goodbye or he's trying to, uh, you know, give advice to, you know, his protege or, or like whatever, like you just feel like this is a real dude. Like I'm not watching a movie. Wow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He just does such an amazing job in sound of metal and, uh, you know, not to take anything away from a Kaluuya or Sasha Baron Conan, who has also been thrown around in this category, I mean, all these performances are top, top tier, but Paul Racy just did something where uh, he made me forget that I was watching a movie and I felt like I was like looking in a window and, and actually watching it happen in front of me. And is there something to be said for the amount of dedication to the craft that goes into that when they're able? And Riz Ahmed, too. My boy, we'll talk, Riz. We'll talk amazing. About, we'll talk about yeah. him a little bit. I, I, I agree. I think Paul Racy was really good. I think, actually, this is a very strong overall. Like, I liked all of these Leslie, dude, yeah. Leslie Odom's really good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Judas and the Black Messiah, I read this somewhere that they kind of game the system with this because Daniel Kaluuya, I mean, both of these guys, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya could really be argued as best actor nominations by her. Yeah. I read somewhere that like they were afraid to go up against Bozeman. So they wanted, I can Kaluuya see that. I can see that. I could, I, I see that. I, I mean, Daniel Kaluuya is the most over the top bodacious I, performance I, out of all these guys. And I mean, I will tell you, I, I have a lot of critic friends. Nobody, nobody was saying Lakeith's name oh my prior God. to him being nominated. It was literally the biggest For shock. anything. And even in this category, even, but I mean, they weren't even saying he was good because he's the, he was considered the lead in this movie yeah, to begin with, lead. right? He's Judas. So yeah, so I mean, he, I love him, and again, that's not to take away from his performance. It's great. It was just a surprise. Is all. Yeah, I mean, this essentially says that Judas and the Black Messiah has no lead actor, no lead actor, which is it's, which is insanity because both of these guys are the name of the title They're, of the movie. <laughs> that look, I feel like the Oscars trying to catch up. I'm still. I'm still salty when uh, Denzel Washington didn't get a fucking nomination for Malcolm X because he oh, was yeah. am- fucking amazing. He didn't get nominated for no, that? No, I don't I thought he did. No, he, they gave it to him for training day later. Maybe he got a nomination. And uh, well, He's been no. nominated quite a few. He's been nominated for Fences, Training Day, yeah. but I felt like he got nominated for Malcolm Let X. Let me movie find out. But I feel like they're trying to like catch up now. And Kalia as Fred Hampton, I mean, that is a polarizing figure, especially right now. No, oh, he was nominated for Best Actor, but didn't win. So he did get the there nomination, but yeah. he should have won. He should have fucking won in 1993. <laughs> Not in so I said Kaluuya. Rug Boy said Kaluuya, right? Yeah, I got Kaluuya. And That's you got Kaluuya. right. And what about you, Emron? Are you going against the grain uh, to get a point here, or what are you doing? <laughs> man, it's let's. Uh, well, I. Lo- they're all such great. Sasha Baron Cohen would be amazing, but I think I'm going to go Daniel Kaluuya. All right, yeah, because, you have to. He's sweeping. Because, all right, this uh, next one, I'm going to set it up. I think this is the biggest 
We don't know don't, what's going to happen. Don't, 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 don't upset me, Anthony. <laughs> I think best actress, this next category is the... We have, I have no idea what's going to happen. So, yeah, sure you do. <laughs> uh, maybe. No, I don't know. Uh, Viola don't know. Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Andre Day for United States and Bill versus Billy Holiday. Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Francis McDormand for Nomadland. Carrie Mulligan mm. for Promising Young Woman. Mm. I want to also set this up for Rugs. Uh, out of the, a different actress has won in every major category, mm-hmm. or every yep. major award show. So Viola Davis oh, won for Best Actress. The SAG. There's been no consistency. Really? Right. Carrie Mulligan won Critics' Choice. Andre Day, you know, huge surprise, won the Golden mm-hmm. Globe, and then um, Carrie Mulligan won the. Oh, that's sorry. Francis McDormand won the BAFTA, okay. which is Vanessa Kirby is the only one that hasn't gotten an accolade. Wow! Yep. Wow! So, Rugs. Wow. What do you think? So how do I go about uh, doing this? Do I pick the oldest? Do I pick the youngest? <laughs> do I pick who has the biggest boobs? Like, no, I'm uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out like some kind of a, a way to figure this out. Um, I'm going to go with Francis McDormand because I saw No Man. You saw that? I mean, I don't know. She was fine in it, I guess. But like, yeah. It, you you saw No Man Land Rooks? Yes, I did. Did you like that? I liked it. I'm just it. curious. It, it didn't like uh, turn my world upside down. I thought it was fine. Yeah. I it was well, you fine. know, I love Francis McDormand. The reason I asked is because, and I've mentioned this to Anthony before, the best parts from an acting perspective in that movie are the non-actors. Yeah. Well, the actual nomads yeah. in that movie. Um, yeah. Those were real life nomads that were essentially reenacting their experiences. Uh, they were what I was most intrigued with from like, you know, a performance standpoint. Now, Francis McDormand, I love. And I think she is deserving this nomination, but I mean, Anthony knows who I think is in this category, but <laughs> we'll get there, pick, I guess. Though? Yeah. Who do you think they're going to pick? I, I, I'm picking Carrie Mulligan. There's okay. no, there's right. no, right. <laughs> there's no actress yeah. that, I mean, you know, guys, this is a suspense thriller yeah. rom-com. Yeah. Okay. I mean, she has so many different layers in this movie and really is just a transformative figure who, is telling an important story, you know, with hashtag Me Too and everything that's going on from a female empowerment perspective. But also, it, it shouldn't be fun, but she makes it a fun watch, too, until you get to the last, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, crazy ending uh, on that Which one. we would all agree is not maybe fun. But generally speaking, it's a fun watch, you know, as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think Carrie Mulligan's performance, if you put another actress in there that's not able to do that to kind of teeter-totter between like, you know, sanity and like just this levity, yeah. you know, and she does such an amazing job at it. She's a great actress. She's been nominated before in a, in a movie called An Education, which I also thought she should have won for and she didn't. So I hope that that, that trend doesn't She's continue. She's British too, right? And she is British, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. she hosted Saturday Night Live and I was like, oh shit, she's British. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet actually. But yeah, Carrie Mulligan's my pick. I can't go against her, Anthony. You know better than that. Imran, do you want to go or should I go? Uh, I'll go. This one is really tricky. I feel like well, Francis has won twice. And to your point, Gerald, her performance, she just she she just kind of slips in there. Like it's, it's such a restrained, like anti she just has to hang out with the real people. They're just like, mm-hmm. hang out with these people. We're gonna film it. Like, is she acting? She's just like hanging out. <laughs> But it is so real, and I haven't seen. I know the Andrew Day story first. First movie, first time out playing Billie Holiday. Uh, it's a huge role to take, and I know she's a singer. I'm gonna go Francis. I think they're gonna give it to Francis. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Francis had three billboards, and yeah. she and has a great Fargo. history with the Academy. Yeah. So that's why I'm cro- literally crossing my fingers. They're like, okay, we've given Francis some awards. Let's give them to someone Fargo? else. I mean, come on. 
She so, right. Okay, right. yeah, those are. I mean, she's won twice, Fargo and three billboards. Um, so here's where my head's at. I I've been leaning Carrie Mulligan yeah. for a while yeah. now. Don't do it to me, Anthony. Don't <laughs> do it to me. Francis. I think I think that it comes down to Francis, Carrie Mulligan, and Viola Davis. Ah. I think Vanessa Kirby, she hasn't won anything. That'd be just crazy out of left field. Andre Day, she won the Globe, but like that's eighty-seven people, and like that movie sucks. I think that movie's like (laughs) so far down. Like that movie's already cooled off a lot. Yeah, she's the equivalent of Glenn Close and supporting. Right. I mean, it's like she's the best part of a horrible movie. Horrible movie. That Mm. movie's terrible. Don't. Mm. No one should watch that movie. Viola Davis winning Viola. the SAG. Yeah, they could give it to really Viola. threw me through a loop, though. And uh, I'm I'm like sixty forty. I, I almost feel like I'm going to make the pick for Viola Davis, but I'm going to stick to my guns yeah. and go Carrie Mulligan. Oh, I think shit, it comes. Yeah, okay, there's my guy. I, I, right. I'm doing it for Jared. I, I also Please. think like if we're, I mean, Viola Davis tr- like transforms. Yeah. She's great yeah, in that yeah, fucking movie. Yeah. She really is good in it. But yeah. there's also an argument that like we'll get to it. Can you have two best actor and best actress winners from a movie that didn't even get nominated for best picture? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know well, if that's going to happen. Carrie Mulligan, it's not an Oscar performance, but uh, I just I feel like I feel like they're going to they're going to do it. I think they're going to they're going to honor something that wasn't really an Oscar performance and I, I hope Carrie so. Mulligan's going to win. I, I hope so cuz unfortunately I don't and I know we'll get to it, but unfortunately I don't think it stands a chance for director or pitcher which Guys, if Emerald Fidel or the picture win, oh, you'll shit. never hear from me again. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll just leave and just like exist somewhere yeah. and, and enjoy. <laughs> Carrie Mulligan, she plays. I did love how she's like a like a, a vigilante. She's like a feminist punisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. it's fun to watch of, that shit. A lot going on for her in that role. Yeah, right, right. So okay, all right, cool. And then uh, we're moving on. Best actor. We got Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins in The Father, Gary Oldman in Mank, and Steven Yun in Minari. Rugs, what's your pick? <laughs> what is- I'm going with the Chad. Chad oh, that's, that's a nice pick. We got, we got to honor the man. Yeah. So this was a category that was seemed locked up up until the BAFTA, right? Am Uh-oh. I right there, Gerald? Because Chadwick Boseman was sweeping everything. And then Anthony Hopkins won the BAFTA, and the only reason that might be something to consider is the BAFTA has some crossover with the Oscars. True, um, although this year is different. And we right. talked about how they had different committees for different categories the, with a limited body, number of the voting body. Though once is is there's some cross. Like I think the right for sure. The, yeah, the, the, absolutely. The, them picking the contenders was a small committee, but then the voting body itself got exactly. On it. Yeah, you're right on that part. I. I don't know, man. I mean, Anthony Hopkins winning a BAFTA to me is like me eating a cheeseburger. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I feel like it's just something that should just happen. You know I mean? uh, it's a Tuesday. I, it's clear, though. Here, let me make the argument. I'm not saying I'm picking him just yet. It's uh-huh. clear the Academy really liked The Father much yeah, more than no. they liked Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm, sure. There's, yeah. there's an argument there that, you know, Riz Ahmed was also fucking great. He's Let's amazing. not him, but. Anthony Just Hopkins right. might have given his best performance ever. Fuck. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Look, guys, I'm going to go ahead and give my pick for Chadwick Boseman. Right, I don't fair. think yeah. now this is a similar scenario to what we were talking about earlier with Minari, but I just don't see how I mean, they need to honor his legacy and his career as opposed to just his performance in Ma Rainey. So I yeah. feel like this is where Chadwick Boseman gets his comeuppance in that category because – 
Now, it was an amazing performance. Ma Rainey, uh, frankly, without Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman, I wouldn't have even liked yeah. it, to be honest. Yeah. Their performances really carried that film. The music, too, was great. Yeah. But without those three main components, yeah. I probably wouldn't have even really enjoyed that movie, just from a personal enjoyment level. But Chadwick Boseman is phenomenal in that film. He has a couple like really intense monologues in that movie where he's just like, I mean, the acting is just on full display. Like you can tell that he's just like in another like realm when he's delivering those speeches. And then like, I'm sure when they said cut, he like <laughs> kind of like fell out like, Oh God, it's over. Thank God. You know, like you can tell it. while he's filming this literally. And it looks like he learned how to play the trumpet for reals. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I heard that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to go Chadwick Boseman here. The performance is great. But I think that, you know, it's posthumous and they've done this before yep. with actors that have passed yep. away, you know, before their time. So they're going to look at it as a way to honor him as well. So I I just don't, and especially with everything going on in the world today, I just don't see them as a whole. Now, of course, he's not going to get 100% of the vote. But as a whole, I just don't see them not giving him this award. It's an opportunity. It's a huge opportunity for them to look good. <laughs> Yeah, I even joked with Anthony when we when we spoke on Patreon. But I mean, I you know my favorite performance in this category is Riz Ahmed. Me too. Riz Ahmed gives the best out of all these. He's Anthony great. Hopkins is probably a close second, and then Chadwick. Now that's my order, right? But even I, as an Academy voter, would probably be voting for Chadwick. I mean, they gave it to Heath Ledger posthumously. Right. Yep. Yeah, they no, did. Yeah. So, so posthumously, Chadwick's, Chadwick's my pick. Yeah. So if <laughs> if I were if Say, I mean, this this is one of those things that sucks to say it, but I think if Chadwick was alive, it would have been like, "Yo, you made it! You made it to the Oscars." You're not winning it though. <laughs> you, you, but you know, it's like you made it. You're going to get nominated again. Welcome to the club. Yeah. You'll win it eventually. Yeah, we're giving it exactly. to Hopkins. He's Unfortunately, old. he passed away. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. at the end of the day, I have to I have to also pick Chadwick Boseman. Personally, I loved. I think Anthony Hopkins gives the performance of the year, mm-hmm. and I would have had Anthony Hopkins, but I wouldn't have minded Riz Ahmed either. Gary Oldman doesn't belong in this category, but for what it's worth, they should knock off Gary Oldman and put Delroy Lindo. Um, they should have, yeah, <laughs> or really any number of people. I mean, Gary Oldman lays in bed for 80% of this I know, movie. he doesn't fucking do anything. Uh, he he do reads shit. from a script. Yeah, I mean, wow, uh, I can do that. I mean, I that. nominated for an Oscar. He just run. gets drunk and I, lies down. I mean, I oh, love I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love him. I love Gary Oldman. I feel like that would be another situation, but they just did that. You know, just he just it. got, he just won for um, the one where he played Winston Churchill. I can't remember oh, the name uh, for some reason. Uh, uh, but, uh, fuck uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie for some reason. Anyway, he just won for that. So they did that. So that would be a situation where, like, if he hadn't won for that, now they would possibly be thinking about Gary Oldman's career. You know what I mean? And then give it Darkest to him for Mac. Hour. Oh, that's it. The Darkest yeah, Hour, yeah. right. Yeah, that I was mean, a boring-ass movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was greatly directed, though, I have the to say. The darkest, boringest like, wow. hour ever. Very, very beautifully <laughs> I directed. I can barely see anything. The darkest, boringest was, multiple hours. <laughs> it was beautifully directed and fucking boring as yeah, hell. Hey, there you go. That's Oscar. <laughs> that's that's, that's an Oscar you. winner right there. That's an Oscar winner, yeah. Uh, for what yeah, it's worth, it's Anthony Hopkins only won one time Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs, dude. Four-time Absolutely. one-time winner, so. Yeah, he was only on camera in Silence of the Lambs for twelve minutes. Wow! Wow! And he won the Academy Holy Award shit, for his two-hour movie. Holy shit! Wow, uh, that's a great stat. I had no idea. Yeah. I, feel, yeah. I feel like he's in that movie the whole time, and I, you're absolutely yeah. right. He is. He's really not. He's like Batman yeah. in that last fucking Dark Knight Rises. He's in there for eight yeah. minutes. And, and think of like how many like 
movies since are like recreated those like interrogation scenes. Every line of his mm-hmm. is quotable and memorable. Everything well, he delivers. Like, you know, we just talked about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. They 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 redid that. Yeah. They had him in the glass cell and oh, then yeah. talking to him yeah, and stuff. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. With Zemo. Right. Yeah, yeah. And someone throws jizz at, <laughs> at his metal <laughs> arm because his metal it just dries real quick and it's just yeah. crusty. Well, fries is that's the part that i remember the most of that movie besides the guy <laughs> tucking his balls behind it <laughs> buffalo bill like, that's, puts, that sticks with you it's the lotion on the skin it's very disturbing uh, i like steven yoon getting a nomination too though that's nice to see you got oh yeah Riz for sure and yeah, steven yoon. not yeah that i mean that was it was nice because it's not really an oscary performance yeah, it's, it's a very subtle yeah. performance well, like but, francis mcdormand's performance though similar you know? yeah, and the movie reminds me of nomadland a little bit and like just where's just shit happens shit just happens Minari? yeah also, it's also like similarly like very beautiful landscapes yeah, yep, and like yep. very colorful, yep. very open so, and br- yeah. breathes. The screen gets to breathe. Yeah, these next two I feel like are going to be not very conversational, but so I, I feel like we should highlight some of the other stuff in here. So we'll start with best director: um, Lee Isaac Chung from Minari, mm-hmm. Emerald Fennell from Promising Young Woman, David Fincher and Mank, Chloe Zhao and Nomadland. And the surprise, Thomas Vinterberg Ooh, from another round. Fuck. Now, how is nobody from this movie uh, nominated for anything else? It's just he directed really good and the, the script it, wasn't good. Or what, Mads what, Mikkelsen isn't. You mean another round? You mean, yeah, You're no. talking about Thomas Vinterberg? Yeah, yeah see, that yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, to another round only got yeah. this. Yeah, that thing. was a surprise. That was a surprise. Why do you but, think that is, Gerald? Well, I don't know, but Vinterberg is a veteran director that has been snubbed many, many oh, times in his career. Yeah. So he's done so many great films that I, I feel like they were just kind of finally like, wow, this is fucking amazing. Now, you know, what would have been great? We were talking about Gary Oldman and Best Actor. Mads Mikkelsen could have easily absolutely uh, oh. been in that spot for Best Actor, oh. too. It's an international film. It's a foreign film. It's also nominated in that category and, frankly, will probably win in that category. Oh, I gotcha. Um, hmm. so I, I, yeah, but I think that was that was similar to I, I got, um, I got, a, I got, I think the Lakeith. last... Lakeith, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's definitely was a surprise. I think, but although if you look at Oscar the last three years, it's not a long time. Um, they've been kind of doing the like foreign film in these, yeah. They're, directing. They're so they did like in. Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. Yeah. Obviously, that won everything. But the mm-hmm. year before, Pavel Pawlowski uh, got nominated for Cold War, and that at that time was That's a right. surprise. Oh. So I think they were like, I think because the um, the Oscar base is getting a little bit more international. Sure. There, there, there's a little bit more love being thrown to like these international European directors. So sure, I think that's and what Vin- it is. And, and Vincent a veteran name that that everybody loves. So it it was one of those things where like when you heard it, it was like, oh, okay, yay, Vincent But also you were like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I mean, it, made, it made me go and watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great movie. I really Hulu. liked it. So. See it. It's a fun movie. Um, it's on Hulu. Yeah, I'm now, to check right? that out. Definitely on Hulu. Unfortunately, I think this is a pretty clear. Well, Rugsy, what do you think? Uh, what for the best director? Best director, best director yeah. yeah. I'm gonna say uh, Nomadland. Yeah, 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 you are. That is that is the clear winner in terms of what everything's kind of trending towards. I mean, I've been hearing that all year. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's my pick. Too, the the sweep in. of sweeps. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say Chloe Zhao too. I, you know, Emerald Fennell is my favorite. You guys won't be surprised. Um, she creates just this like pop art come to life in Promising a Woman. Absolutely. She does a lot of really unique things with the camera, a lot of shots that, you know, frankly, the Academy doesn't usually recognize and they probably won't again this year. Uh, But she's just really like, just, she's just creating. Like you can tell that she's just experimenting with the camera. And, you know, the same thing can be said for Karen Logan's performance and, and some of the music choices in the film with the needle drops. And 
It's just, it was literally just like a film project. It's just like, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to make this weird vision. And I thought it was a beautifully directed film. It's my favorite, but nobody is beating Chloe Zhao this year for no man, mm. in my opinion. Imran? Yeah, I'm going Chloe Zhao also. Okay. All right. uh, because All right. it is, it is beautifully shot. And uh, oh, yeah, sure. I want her, I have a stat. I want her to beat this record. Uh, the stat is, first of all, you're probably going to say Nomadland has received, you said it's got the most prizes so far out of any mm-hmm. movie. Uh, Chloe Zhao could tie Walt Disney as the most awarded person during a single ceremony if she sweeps Best Picture, Directing, Adapted Screenplay, and Editing. Oh, yeah. well, nice. So, it, it also is lining up. I mean, we, this has been for a while, but it's also lining up with the Stop Asian Hate. And, yeah. You know, she, she's mm-hmm. be the first... I think the third woman yep, right? yep. to be one the best director yep. and then the first, first Asian, Asian woman. woman. Yep, yep. So like it's all lining up perfectly for I'm no man lands. Not my personal favorite out of these like directing choices, but it is beautifully shot. I mean, it does feel like it feels like that the, the entire movie occurs on like a postcard. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> the way it's shot is just like unbelievable. I mean, for the beautiful. optics alone, it, it seems like the good move to do. Yeah. And, and plus it's a good movie. So it's absolutely. Like, yeah. So then moving on best picture. Uh, eight pic- eight the movies this year. One. Is this the last year they have to? They're doing under ten, Gerald. Are they doing ten for sure next year? Or I, I'm they, not sure. That's I think maybe. Uh, I didn't know if that was next year, but they do anywhere from seven to ten. So anywhere right from now. seven to ten. Yeah. So we got eight. We have the Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. Mm, wow. Um, Rugs, do you want to make your wow. pick? Wow. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> Tough one. I'm going to pick out of the two that I saw, I'm going to pick Trial of the Chicago. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm, okay. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Put you down. Um, I'm going to make, so I, I'm going to start off by saying that I think Nomad Land's the clear winner. My favorite of this crop is The Father. Oh, for what it's interesting. Worth. Wow. Um, but I, I, the only movie I actually don't like out of these is May. Yeah, I knew that much. Um, <laughs> no Man Land is actually also near the bottom in terms yeah. of just personal enjoyment. I'm going to throw in if there is a movie that could be a wild card pick. I'm going to say I, I've been saying Trial for the longest time, yeah. but I'm going to back off Trial and I'm going to say it's Minari. Okay. If 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 there's a film that's not going to be not named No Man Land that's going to win, I think Minari has potential. I think. The Academy really likes Minari. Again, it's relevant to, to what's been right. going on. And I think it's also just beautifully shot. So like I think Minari has a chance. I think Trial has a small chance. I think it's like ninety percent Nomad Land and then the rest, like give it a, a number. Do, will but, they um, go two Korean movies best picture back to back? They could. They could. Mm. That, mean, would they could. Yeah. that would be you crazy. That would be crazy. The parasite connection yeah. there, for sure. Although uh Clear distinction: Minari is made by a director that is actually American. Oh, it is an American movie. He's an American yeah. director, it's largely yeah. he's in Korean. Korean. American. Oh, he's Korean American. Okay, and the, yeah, yeah. But it's not like a. It's not actually a foreign made. Right, film. like Parasite was totally right, foreign, right, taking right. place in Korea, South Korea. Right. So wait, what's uh, your pick? I'm going Nomadland. Okay, <laughs> I just I, I had to throw in like a like to kind of spice it up, maybe yeah. something else, but Nomadland's I think is going to win. Oh, not my favorite movie. Of this movie. Yes. Uh, all right, Gerald. Gerald. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's so tough. Maybe because say some it, nice things about other movies. Too. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so tough because if you look at, you know, these eight films, for example, just talking about this one category, 
and you're looking at them as what they are for what they are, just what you're seeing on the screen, the story that's being played out, the performances, you know, all the different things that play into it that might interest you, like the score and the cinematography and so on, then you could pick what you think the best is, right? And I'm talking about if you're an Academy voter. But sometimes what's tough, especially in 2021, is like the optics and the relevancy of some of these projects start to yeah. kind of bleed into yeah. what we're talking about. And you're dead on when you talk about a movie like Minari or even Judas and the Black Messiah because they are so relevant to the world that we're living in. So by default, sometimes they seem more important. So it's Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman, too, because of Me Too yeah, and, yeah. and Female Empowerment, yeah. for sure. And then you look at a movie like The Trial of Chicago 7, which is an historical picture, but it also has relevancy today. So there's a few in here that really kind of could blur the lines there. Now, I'm with Anthony Lockstep where I think, or I should say I would be surprised if Nomadland didn't win this. Yeah. I think this is a one-two punch. Chloe Zhao is going to be on stage for both of these. Yeah. So she's going to get director, and then she's going to be backstage come back. and come back out for come Best Picture. Um, that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, you guys know Promising Young Woman is my favorite, but <laughs> I I just think that it's tough, you know, because you don't know. I mean, if you have a ballot, I mean, I guess I should ask you dudes because I really don't know, frankly. But you have a ballot, and you know what's going on in the world. What do you pick? What do you check? I don't know. Do you feel an obligation to pick just based on what you saw on the screen, or are you letting other factors kind of sway your decision? I mean, it's asking. I don't know. I mean, you know what I think of is each of these, like, it's interesting how the father and sound of metal, from what Anthony told me about the father, they're both dealing with an affliction and making you True. feel like yeah. you are living, you are experiencing Absolutely. this, right? Yep. So that to me, cause sound of metal did it amazingly. Like, you know mm-hmm. what it felt like to lose your hearing. And it was fucking frightening to think mm-hmm. about that. Right. Uh, and then the rest of these, it, like you said, like Judas and the black Messiah, super relevant Minari. Uh, do they feel guilt? Who are, there's like, what is there? Like right. 10,000 voters out there. And I know voting is low this year. A lot of people skip the first round in the Academy. So does guilt make you uh, vote a certain way? Cause that's a, I could make a case for Minari and Judas for that. But I agree with you guys. Like she's going to sweep. No man, man. I think that's an interesting question, Gerald. I, I, if I were an Academy voter, I would like to think I would pick the movie that I thought was the best. But right. I also would factor in, I wouldn't want to have picked the movie that like 10 years from now we would go, oh, why'd that win? Like, <laughs> right. like for instance, like the social network should have clearly beat um, the King's Speech, like with in hindsight, right? right? right. Or like crash should have lost to um broke back mountain like those are movies where it's like i mean clear, shakespeare even like, and even love like, go fuck yourself i mean even like a green book right so like i would always be like man what what is history gonna remember like i, I would want to align with history this year's crop that's tough <laughs> i really yeah, I mean, don't know which one of these is like gonna be remembered as an all-timer she- to that point, I mean, that's the world we live in now, right? I mean, with social media, I mean, hell, even with the internet as an extension, because, you know, when the Academy started, I mean, this is the 93rd Academy Awards. So, you know, there was nothing like that. There was no, you know, kind of political influence or media influence. It was just like you voted for what you thought the best project was as a whole, when we're talking about best picture, at least. Mm-hmm. So that, in my opinion that really should still be what happens, right? Because we're honoring the movies. We're not honoring 
necessarily their like relevance to society. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we're honoring them as a, as a work of art, as a, as a film. So it is, but I also see the importance in that because, you know, I mean, like the Asian representation, for example, the only place that shows up is in Minari. So it's like, that's obviously going to be super important to anyone that's Asian or that's connected to that. I get that. Do you know what I'm saying? But if you, if you rewind 50 years ago, that wasn't in the equation. It was just like, what's the best movie? What did I enjoy the most? What was crafted the best? Mm-hmm. Which is really what they should be awarding. But it, I wanted to kind of illustrate that to see if you guys see what I'm saying, where it's like it, it's got to be a tough thing in today's age because you do have so many different factors kind of coming into your mind, I feel like. I think that those things are sometimes obvious. Like we're all like sitting there talking about it as we're selecting things, when we're talking about the optics and we were, we're including the context. And so you're taking this holistic approach to, to uh, giving something a critique or a value. And that's what we're doing. We're not looking at the actual piece of art. Right. We're looking mm-hmm. at all of this other stuff and then kind of building a, a right. this holistic picture of what, it, uh, of what that is. I don't know if that's the right way to do it. Uh, but I mean, in this, in this age that we live in where people, um, are, you know, there, there's people like, yeah, looking for representation, people looking to be acknowledged, people feeling that they've been, you know, overlooked. And so we're doing this holistic approach. I don't know if I would want to win an award like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm like, Hey, well, and hey, the, the puppet made a movie, so we haven't given a puppet <laughs> an award. Puppet Let's give the puppets an award. Like, I wouldn't want that award. I would want my fucking movie just to be you the best movie. It. But yeah. people want this. People, more people seem to want it, want it to be done that way than it to be done the other way. Because let's say, for example, there's people who just kill it every time, right? Anthony Hopkins is going to fucking destroy everyone yeah. mm-hmm. in his path. Every year that he fucking makes a great movie, he's going to get nominated and possibly win. So, mm-hmm. you know, I guess this is kind of like uh, spreads it out a little bit. I don't know. I think it's there's clearly I mean, it's clear like people where, you know, the, there is declining audience for the Oscars, but it's clear that there's still a lot of people that value not only like the Oscars, but what it means to culture. So they like they think. If let's say let's say like last year, I think there were a lot of people that were like they thought Parasite was the best, but there also was this group that was like, no, Parasite needs to win because it's important mm, that it wins. Mm. Like, what does it mean for culture if this movie wins? I think a lot of people still look at like movies um, and look at the Oscars as like that relevant thing. That like if they put their stamp on this, this can change the world type thing, right? And like we even talk about it like with actors and actresses. Like we were talking about like. Frances McDormand, like, oh, she's already won twice. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. why would she win a third time? Like, you got to honor, you got to honor different people. So I, I think they're like, it's not executed in a bubble, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of those factors come in for voters. I don't know how I would factor that in. Um, I would like to think, again, that I'd pick whatever was best. But the Oscar, I mean, people think, I don't, you know, some, I think there's voters that go, I'm not trying to honor the best. I'm trying to honor 
I'm trying to give it to like the most important person or person yeah, or movie. Yeah, trying to like quote unquote do the right thing. I'm trying you to do it I mean? right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm trying to elevate this. The person Academy this movie. is also trying to fight like you know hashtag Oscars too white. That's fucking probably oh, haunting sure, them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's in your mind. Another thing about Sound of Metal you could reward I, that I love is. Riz Ahmed, per- Pakistani person of color dude, as the lead, but it's just a matter of fact. Like it could have been the first Muslim too. He's up against Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's and that's a perfect example. And I'm guilty of what we're talking about here because I, I got to be honest with you, Riz Ahmed's my favorite. And and if I was just voting purely on that, no question, I check his name. I'm going to the next category. But because of Chadwick Boseman, not yeah. only necessarily being a black man, but just that he passed away yeah, so suddenly. And that his legacy, you know, should be honored. Mm-hmm. What what name am I checking there? He wasn't my favorite performance, but right. That we you know just what had I'm this saying? Discussion. Yeah. Right. It's like yeah. it's almost like this is our only chance to like validate well, yeah. his career. Yes. Like yes. it's like oh. yes. And it's like wait, we shouldn't think like that. Like just honor who was best. But it's like, but he's never going to be here. And, like, this is yeah. our only chance. And you can't help right. to think like what amazing things he would have done. Like he was on his way to be fucking huge huge future and right. uh it just got cut short yeah so it, it, that is interesting discussion I mean, look things aren't always perfect and you know and, and that's fine i think that's good i think that sometimes you do have to do something to honor a person um for you know doing good work and being an important person i think it's it's okay mm-hmm. and i think it, that should it should happen so i mean and, and now, you kind of see it oh sorry go ahead I mean, it just sucks if you're in the same category and you're losing. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean, that's you're the in the only puppet way. category yeah. and you lose to another puppet. It's not uh, yeah. good. I, I think you see this pervade, though, throughout Hollywood. Like, we've seen it for the past five, ten years, maybe more, where it's like, you know, like actor, like there's a push for like an Asian or like a black Superman right, or like right. an Asian yeah. version of this character. Yeah. Like, you know, there, there's like this, well, does it go to the best person right. or does it go to the person that we think would have the most cultural relevance to like change things. So like, I think it's just a thing in Hollywood where it's like, is it the best or is it like, can we get, ideally you get the best person and someone that would yes, change. Things, right. That's what it should be. Can't you, it's, that's impossible. So those two things to find in one person sometimes very hard, very hard. So, well, as long as we all know what we're looking yeah, at here, you know, it's okay. Yeah, everyone's on the same page. As long as like, I mean, look, it's, it's one of these things. It's like, we're, as long as we all see for what it is, then it's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and um, I think people like some people are under this um, thing that, that it's all rigged and it's all fixed or it's all this thing. It's, you know, they're obviously trying to play to optics and stuff like that. Some people have that opinion. Some people think that it's re- like an actual, you know, people are voting on this and they're thinking about some this of them and are really, and like, some aren't choosing who they love. <laughs> so, I mean, are they either of them right? No. So it, we have to be just we see what, for what it is and we know what it is and that's fine. Let me ask Gerald real, real, one quick question: Why do you think Nomadland was just has been the runaway winner for so long? Like, why was that kind of preordained as the one? Well, I mean, I know we're talking about the Oscars right now, but I mean, it's it's an Oscary movie, man. It's like literally the, the title could <laughs> been Oscar bait. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just shot so beautifully and it's got these really you know subdued kind of. Beautiful performances. It has a, a, a Oscar darling and Francis McDormand on the marquee. Um, Chloe Zhao. I mean, the Asian stuff is part of it, but I mean, just generally speaking, yeah. she's such yep. a hot name yep. in the last year or so. 
Um, and she's sweeping. So the it's her movie and she's sweeping. So I don't know. I feel like it's a one, two punch. I think it's a pretty easy layup, but that's why I asked about some of this other stuff might bleed in. And then you might get an upset like Minari. I think another reason why this thing is catching on is because she's choosing to look at something that we don't always look at that exists like this, this world of people that we haven't really mm-hmm. tapped into. And, you know, yeah, we've seen stories of black Panthers. We've seen, I mean, not in this way, but we've, we've, we've seen historical stuff. We've seen all that stuff, but then this is like something that we kind of, she's kind of like revealing right. to us. I agree, I agree with that. I didn't uh, know it, anything at all really about the nomad life before this. Yeah. So it's kind of like this thing that we just discovered. It's, it reminds me of when I saw that, um, you know, the city of God. It's like, I just, Oh fuck. I've never, I didn't know that the Brazil kids were running around with guns and you fucking, all this shit was happening. Each other in the foot. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I also think in pandemic uh, era, just this idea of hitting the road, people are buying RVs. They're living uh, and working remotely living on the road. It's something people were into. And I like how they don't glamorize it. And they show you kind of the real side of that. Yeah, that, that's actually, I was going to say, I've been kind of like saying Nomad Land is not my favorite. I'll give it credit not only for how beautiful it's shot, but uh, it doesn't really take a like a stand right, in terms of right. like, this is the way it should be, or like, poly, like capitalism is really bad. It kind of like just lets you decide. It just kind of like, you're just floating with the, the entire movie. And you're just like, oh, yeah. all right. Like, then, then you slowly this realize, like, this is what's happening in, in the country when these factories shut down. Uh, you know, and you think how many more people out there are affected. So good stuff. It's it's very restrained. It so. is. But the lines, dude, the lines in this movie, like even the from the landscape to inside the warehouse where the lines of the warehouse on the roof are all coming down in perspective and pointing and every shot composition is like fucking perfect. Yeah, yep. she, she definitely thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff. We got everyone's picks. We will see April 25th what Steven Soderbergh has in store for us. I'm super curious to see how he's going to change the Oscars and we'll see who gets the most points uh, at the end for no reason. For no reason. <laughs> for no reason. Uh, for no, reason. <laughs> no prize. No prize. Uh, let's wrap up real quick with some what are we watching. Uh, Rugs, oh. I'll let you talk since you haven't talked much for because you don't know because you haven't been Oscars. <laughs> oh, well, okay. What, I, what I've been watching, obviously, I'm continuing my uh, my uh, Frank Grillo watching. Oh, you found a another Frank watch. Grillo movie, did yes, you? Yes, I did. I found a movie <laughs> called, damn it, what's the name of the movie? Um, uh, One with sh- Mackie? Yeah, with Anthony Mackie. Really? I sent, yeah. Point it was break? called Point, Point Blank. Point Blank, not Break. It was not a good movie, don't worry. Ew. It's so, it's no, I mean, <laughs> it's like a, I mean, it's funny because it's like a buddy buddy movie it's like uh so the the plot is that frank grillo is a guy that's supposed to do this job and and kill this like you know higher up higher up person and uh he ends up in the hospital and then somebody needs anthony mackie who is the nurse to bust him out and sneak him out of the hospital and then they become like attached to each other and they have to like you know, not not die basically. So it's Crossbones and Falcon team up movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and what's her name from um 
from uh, Tiana Paris. Oh, f- uh, yeah, from uh, WandaVision. Yeah, yeah Ram- Monica Rambeau. Monica Rambeau yeah, is in. So it's Monica, Monica Rambeau, Rambeau Falcon, and Crossbones doing yeah, shit. Yeah, it's like a little Marvel uh, reunion there. Gerald Rugboy's been watching every Frank Grillo movie for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. Just <laughs> That's the, cool. The sure. Thing. I mean, look, he's got some great lines in it. <laughs> There's this one line where <laughs> he goes up to, he pulls up a, he's at a car wash and he needs a car and the old woman in the car is like, I got pepper spray. You see, and he's like, I got a gun in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just looking at her like, get the fuck out of the car. I got a gun in my pants. And I just love that. But okay, so is it good? No. <laughs> it do, like, it's one of those movies that like has no end. Like the ending is just so like, it doesn't it do just anything. Falls it just apart. Yeah, it just falls end. apart. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, there's yeah, not yeah. even a cool action scene or anything. It just kind of like sucks at the end. That's the fu- next movie he did after Endgame. Uh, yeah. Grip Frank Grillo. But uh, I mean, he was good in it. He was fine. It's just the movie just didn't go anywhere. But and then um, I watched Made for Love. Ah, I also watched this. Gerald, hey, have you seen this? Here. You watched it too? I, just, wow. I, I binged no Falcon Winter Soldier on Friday. I binged Made for Love on Saturday. It's got your so girl, Christina Milani in it. Fuck yeah, it from does. From Palm Springs. Uh, yeah. What did you think? I also watched the whole series as it was coming out. What'd you think? I, I, I love it, man. I, I've got one episode that I haven't seen. I haven't seen the most recent one, yeah, but I, one. I love it. I think it's like, I was a big Black Mirror fan. Yes, or I am a big yes, Black Mirror yes. fan. I feel like this is like if Black Mirror was like a rom-com. Absolutely. You know? is, it, is it over <laughs> or is there still more coming out? It's over. It's eight episode, eight half hour, seen the last one. half hour episodes. Yeah. Uh, and basically the setup is this girl has a chip in her head put in by her her fiance who's like this tech giant his name is yeah. Gogol and he has Google <laughs> phones and Google internet Google it's so dumb Byron Gogol uh so turns out he put a chip in her head where you he could see and hear everything and she's trying to get the fuck out of the relationship and it explores that Ray Romano is fucking fantastic. oh he's so good man so he's good he's so it? real and so sympathetic and, and it's it's an amazing role so it is it's like a science fiction bend but it's mostly like a relationship show. Yeah, to, it's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. And it's a like nice it. half hour. I just episodes. like that uh she fucking gets that axe in that episode and just fucking does oh, yeah. some shit with yes, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's twisty and it's turny and like uh it's uh it moves fast. So that was a good I, show. Christina Miliati was also in Palm, Palm Springs, Springs which Anthony. was one of my favorite movies. The like Palm it. Springs yeah. girl. Right. Yeah, she's great. Um she's good in everything. The show is this kind of thing is like one of these things that I don't like to admit is up my alley sometimes like when <laughs> it's like a it's like kind of a a, a rela- show about relationships yeah. and, and and all that stuff. Uh, so I did like it for that reason, but I'm not 100 percent on board with it, to be honest with you. I think it's like I enjoyed it because it was fun. Yeah. But like I'm like. I'm like, well, how's this going to end here? I'm like, how, where, the ending, Gerald, I think you'll find interesting. I don't know if they set okay. it up for a second season, but I will agree with Ruggs. I wasn't so hot on the ending. Like, I would have gotten oh, okay. that chip right. out. I would have gotten that chip out immediately. Right. Yeah. I, I would have gotten it out immediately if I could. So I was like, I scratched my head about that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. Made for Love, HBO Max. All eight episodes are up. Anthony, you watched anything? Actually, so we talked last week about curb and then i watched like the first episode of the last this past oh, season nice. curb, yeah season 10 i like, think yeah where it's he's uh he's uh wearing the maga hat and oh, all yeah. that shit. isn't that oh, hilarious <laughs> he wears it so people won't sit next to him at the sushi place it's <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean it i watched it and i was like 
Yep, this is still Kurt. Oh, it's still fucking I, I good. I still fucking enjoy the, the interweaving of all these like stupid-ass storylines that end up like biting him in the ass again. That's the season where he opens the Spite coffee shop next to the other yep, coffee the spite shop. Store. The Spite yeah. store. It's so fucking good. It's Ted Danson's in it. I like uh, the, that episode he like... <laughs> Is eyeing like hors d'oeuvres, and the girl thinks he's like ogling her. Oh, that's right. And then he goes in oh. to like grab some hors d'oeuvres, yes. and she's like thinks he's harassing her. That she walks by, he like tries to grab the hors d'oeuvres, but grabs her tit. It's like, yeah, dude, this is straight. It gets this, is, so this is it. Funny. This is the same stuff. I love it. Plus, it, his buddy Jeff looks like Harvey Weinstein, and the girl oh, calls him God. Harvey Weinstein. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> I can't wait. There's gonna be eleven season coming out soon, hopefully, and it's the oh, wow. cringeworthiest show. It's so good. You ever see the episode of Curb where, where he's in a movie in New York? He's shooting a movie in New York. He's on the roof and he's doing a scene. Yeah. And he's slapping everybody in the face. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so bad. I, that uh, I saw this other great short. It's actually an Oscar nominated live action short. It's on Netflix. It's called Two Distant Strangers. Hmm. This fucking thing is great. Here's, this is the setup. Imagine a Groundhog Day situation meets. A fucking George Floyd situation. Oh, shit. That's what this half hour, he's in a time loop, and he's trying to get home to his dog, and this fucking cop shoots him every time, and he's got to figure oh. out how to get home. It's really, it's quite good. It is nominated for a live action short, and it's half an hour. I highly recommend everyone watch this. Like, it's pretty good. It's good. Good ending, too. Not what you expect. Wow. Yeah, that's good. It's pretty fucking heavy. Yeah, I was Gerald, like, how many, did you shit. watch 25 movies this week? <laughs> I was pretty light this week. <laughs> I was looking through my letterbox. I've been like watching Shudder, which is like the horror uh, yeah. premium yeah, yeah, channel yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I just caught, I've seen a few things, but what I wanted to point out to you guys, have you guys ever heard of a movie from the 90s called Tammy and the T-Rex? No. Sounds amazing. All right. So the schlockiest B-movie <laughs> shit you've ever heard of, okay? <laughs> So it stars a young Paul Walker. Oh, no way. And Denise Richards. Oh, no way. I bet she's hot in this. Uh, oh, she's hot as <laughs> she's very hot in it. Uh so you know you know who Terry Kaiser is? He was Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, okay, yeah, the, the mustache. The, the guy with the mustache. Yeah, yeah. the dead guy. Yeah. So he plays like this mad scientist, right? So to make a long story short, what ends up happening is Paul Walker ends up getting killed by this like gang of bullies on because they're in high school. And he takes Paul Walker's brain <laughs> and puts it into this mechanical T-Rex. Okay. And so Paul sure. Walker kind of like, you know, controls the T-Rex and decides to go on a rampage and like get revenge for all the people that killed him oh and stuff. Oh my God. And Denise Richards is Tammy and she's his girlfriend. So she's like really like sensual with the dinosaur. With the dinosaur. And they're like a couple basically because she knows it's her boyfriend's brain in there. Oh my God. That's Tammy and the T-Rex. So there you go, guys. That's amazing. This sounds like up Rugs Alley. Yeah, this sounds great. Nineteen ninety-four. And Steve Morrison. Yeah. And it ends. It ends with Denise Richards doing a really, really nice strip tease, guys. Oh, I'm end. all in for that. So, Better or worse than Wolf Cop? That's what we have to figure out. Oh, is it? Is it any movie with bestiality seems like? Uh, yeah. Does she fuck it was the prehistoric bestiality? Yeah, I mean, prehistoric. You know. She's. I see her like caressing this dinosaur. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm I'm, Goog I'm googling through pictures of her and a dinosaur. Yeah, right that, there you that's go. Pretty much, the that's pretty much. Yeah. That's a good one. Very touching. Very touching story. Yeah, yeah. Like, I know there's a lot. We have listeners who will enjoy that that picture. So it's a robot T Rex. Yes, it's a mechanical T Rex. This guy had built for the purposes of putting a human. Oh, brain. It's, like, it's like Pacific <laughs> Rim and shit. He's putting his hand brain in there. Mm. 
Is he yeah. drifting with it? Is he drifting? And, the, and Paul Walker gets into a car as a dinosaur and flies into space. What the fuck yeah, is Richards going on? Yeah, Richards is a fox. Uh, dude, yeah, 1994 Denise Richards? Get the fuck oh, out of here. That's prime. Uh, What's that movie that mean? she's in with Nev Campbell? Oh, Wild, oh, wild, 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 wild Things. things. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. That's the you one. Know, you, bet, you bet your ass I saw that as like a 12-year-old. I wore that fucking, that part of the tape was worn out on my VHS cup. <laughs> Jesus oh, fuck. man. Can't anymore. <laughs> it just broke. <laughs> <laughs> Played it back so much. All right. Anything else? Anybody want to shout out? Good stuff. I said, I already talked about Promising Young Woman Minari. Love both of those movies. Yeah. I, I mean, I binge Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah. And there you go. Part, partly for this. Right on. And then watched a bunch of weird horror movies. But other than that, I've, that's how you recover from a surgery, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then next week, listener, get ready. Everybody can watch Mortal Kombat. Oh, shit. April 23rd, HBO Max and in theaters. Yeah. Get the fucking rave, rave juice. Get your light sticks ready. Well, I'm ready. Uh, we will. Be, I, will I will say yeah. real quick about Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Me and my, my seven year old son, we were in downtown Durham yesterday and the boxcar is like a local arcade just reopened. So he played Mortal Kombat with me on the arcade box for the first yesterday. time. Yeah, for the first oh, time he played shit. at Sub Zero and he beat me. He did. He, yeah, <laughs> I'm like you, a little shit. You've never played sport in your life. He's like, oh, this is easy. I can, we can do this with my eyes closed. Wow, nice. So there, yeah. so there you go. Yeah, killing is easy, Dad. This is an R-rated Mortal Kombat, though. I don't know if it's going to be appropriate for your little kid. Yeah, no, he's not going to watch. I've seen this. I've seen the trailers. Yes. I told him he's got a few years before he can watch. We will be reviewing it next week with a guest, hopefully. I think. Uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, Gerald, thank you so much for hanging out. Tell the people yeah, where they can find all your awesome stuff. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for inviting me back. It was a blast. As always, just go to 2PsOnAPod.com. That's T-W-O spelled out, and you'll see links to all of the different podcasters that we're available on. You can uh, you know scroll through our back catalog. Uh, Imran and Anthony have both been on, and guess who's coming on soon? Who's that? Rug Boy oh, will be on the show. It's going to be my first guest spot without him running This around. is huge, Unreal. people. Get though, you don't huge. understand. You definitely subscribe to Two Peas on the Pod. <laughs> this is the first time Rug Boy on his own, on another show. I'm not holding his hand. I don't have my hand in his slack hole. This is all him. Yeah. I don't are, have- you, are you guys going to do that thing where there's like one earbud and one ear and Imran's <laughs> just feeding information I'm feeding to him? I'm just, I'm there for <laughs> comfort. No, you could do this, Rugs. I believe in you. Imran, will you be on the phone? I will be in the Facebook message. You just hear Rug Boys like start mentioning Kunil Nunjani movies and stuff. It's like, what are we yeah. talking about? Just here? say Kumail Nunjani. Do you see how jacked Kumail is? <laughs> just mention Riz Ahmed four times. You'll be fine. Oh, Jeez, uh, man. No, yeah. it's good. This is going to be huge. That's it. Just go to the website and uh, you'll see all these dudes on pop up on episodes. But I have a different guest host every week, from usually from the world of podcasting. and. We just do a fun top five show. We count down our favorites in a category for movies, music, or TV. And we have a good time. We've been going uh, going nearly on five years nice. now doing two piece. Nice. So it, yeah. It's a blast. So. Great show. Yeah, look us looks up. I highly recommend awesome. it. I listen to your top five Nirvana songs. Look great show. Fun. Yeah. Uh, it's my favorite band of all time, and I had to do it. Yeah. No, and those are all great songs. Rugs, where can the listener find you online? Oh, you can find me online at on t- at on Twitter on, at really Bugworm. In Twitter? Wait, say that. At really rug boy on Twitter. Okay. That's the best way to say it. <laughs> Listener, check out the show notes for links to everything. I'll have all of Gerald's links right in the show description so you can subscribe right now. Uh, thanks for listening. Share the show. Get it out there to all your friends. Spread the geekery. This has been the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name is Anthony. He's the jock. And he's a nerd. We'll peep you next time. <laughs>